Ladies and gentlemen, you tuned in to an all-new episode of the Rap Lab Podcast. It's your boy, the Candyman, the A-L-F-R-E to the D. It's the one and only T-O. It's the Dilio. And it's your boy, QG. And today, we are joined by a good friend of mine, a friend of the show, matter of fact. Uh, we got my homeboy, Johnny, in the house. Johnny, what's up, bro? Yeah. Yeah, what's up, y'all? What's up? What's going on? Yeah, now, we got a... We gotta, yes, we gotta, sir. We gotta, yes, sir. We, we got a rule on the podcast, man, for guests, man. Anytime somebody come on this show, they got to they gotta um, explain how they how they connected to the show. So we, we give you the floor to talk because um, the people, they know the three of us. They may not know you. So go ahead and just tell the world a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my name is Johnny. I, uh, I've been doing uh, photography at, at BWF, which is where um, Al does refereeing at. And yep. we just became cool like that because, you know, I just get shots of everybody and that's how I kind of get cool with everyone. Um, and the referees in general is just cool. Like, they, they all just, like, mad appreciated, show mad love and everything. And that's the way I was, you know, whenever I spoke to him. And, uh, you know, I saw him on Facebook, like, talking about the show and everything. And, yeah, I just decided to check it out one day. And I was like, yo, this is, this is a dope podcast because y'all know your stuff. Like, for real, it's like, y'all could be, I don't know, like, hip-hop historians or something like that. Like, like there's some there's some real good stuff on, some real good content on here, so. Yeah, um, we, yeah we, and I've been, I've been yeah, we, uh, you know, I grew up on the East Coast out here, and I've been listening to hip-hop, you know, since, I don't know, since I can remember. Like, I can remember being in elementary school, and we was singing Hypnotize and everything, like, you know. Nice, nice. Right. <laughs> cool, That's cool, and we and, and we appreciate the kind words, my friend, and we are more than happy to have you on the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, for those of y'all who may not know, this man Johnny is the guy who did the artwork for us. He is the man behind the art of the Rap Lab. Yep. So, um, you need any type of graphic design 
or you need any type of pictures taken because he does really great photography work. Like you hit him up and we're gonna put his uh his Instagram info in the dis- in the episode description. So if you need him, uh make sure you link him. He do really great work and overall he's just a really great person. So um shout Thanks. outs to you, Johnny. We appreciate you, man. Yes, sir, Jay. Yeah, no, yeah, and I love doing the artwork. And um one the sh- one the cause I I did two I did two cover arts for y'all. And the other one was a picture of Ghostface Killer actually. And that one came out wow. by Wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He said, what? Is, is it Ghostface? He does it to me. Yeah, he did a silhouette of Ghostface for us. That's dope, man. Um, oh, man. And, and Johnny, show us so you, that sometime. Nah, I showed, I showed it to y'all. Y'all voted for yo, this one. Yeah, gotta, we did. Yo, I mean, yeah, yo, that Ghostface, that Ghostface one was crazy. You know what I'm saying? But the Rap Lab podcast one is, 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 is extra fire, too, so... I mean, we couldn't go wrong with either or, but that Ghostface one was type ill. Nah, nah that's true. You couldn't go wrong with either. <laughs> I like both a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right, and um, the reason why we're here today, uh, today's topic, we just going to do a countdown of just our favorite Latino rappers. So um, some of them you may have heard of, some of them you may not have heard of, but we're going to go through uh, a, a few of them and just, you know, discuss their history important albums, what they mean to us, uh, what their music means to us, and all like that. So um, we'll start it off, um, you know, we're, we're, we're based in New York City. Um, Johnny, you live in the Bronx, right? No, nah, actually, I live in Yonkers, but um, I moved around a lot. So so I'm Latino, I'm from Honduras and El Salvador, which is in Central America. Mm. But um, I was born in L.A., and mm. um, but I, I grew up out here in the East Coast. So I grew up in, in Bridgeport in Connecticut. Yeah. And it's, you know, mostly black and Latino folks out there. And then uh, for high school and everything, I moved out to Westchester. And then uh, for college, I went to I went upstate to Plattsburgh and I was a history major there with a concentration in Latin American history. And I joined a Latino frat and everything, which is kind of why, um, you know, I suggested to Alf like, oh, um, you know, like, let's do a Latino themed, uh, you know, hip hop podcast. And, uh, you know, now I'm living in Yonkers. So that's why I was going to the BWF shows and everything. That's why oh, I, I spent a lot of time in the Bronx. Bronx. Okay. I yeah, got, a question. I got a question, Jay. Uh, my... did, you, did you run into uh, Styles and Jada in them yet? <laughs> um, no, nah, but I've been to, I've been to Jada's. Uh, he has Juice uh, um, of Life. Uh, have you heard of that? He has a, a juice. A juice spot. Yeah, yeah, yes, the juice yes, spot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They got the juice spots out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but nah, uh, nah, I've been waiting to, but you know, you know, they don't spend out time out here like that, like they used to. Especially Jada, especially Jada after that victory, he's still drunk, Jada. So, I mean, shout out to Jada and Fab for a dope battle. But, um, so we're gonna start with our, with our first artist on this uh Latino edition of the Rap Lab. Um, so let's talk about Fat Joe, um, real quick. So um crack. So Fat Joe. Uh Joey Crack, Don Cartagena, Fat Joe the Gangster, whatever y'all want to call him. Um we we we're gonna go around the room. Um and let's like an intro. Like talk about the first time you heard Fat Joe rhyme. So Johnny, since you the guest, um by all means you go ahead and go first. Um, it was really when when he was with with Pun, because 
even though Fat Joe put Pun on, like, Pun got bigger than Joe, you know? So mm-hmm. it was really the, um, the Twins' deep cover, like, that song. That was when I first heard Fat Joe, too. And that song was just fire, but, you know, even, like, before that, I was young, but, like, Pun was, like, Pun was the dude on top back then. Uh, and so then, that, you know, after, yeah, after, yeah, after Pun had, you know, passed and everything, uh, you know, that's when he came out with, like, Lean Back and, like, you know, he was doing more with Terror Squad and Remy and all of them. And, yeah, that yeah. was basically yeah, so he he blew up after that because a lot, and it's fair that you say that because a lot of people would say that you know, Pun was either a the better rapper than Joe, or a lot of people will go ahead and say B, um, Pun had more shine than Joe until unfortunately he passed away, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But um, and you did mention um, you did mention um, Lean Back, which was like his biggest hit up until that point. Um, QG, we're going to throw it over to you. Um, when you first heard Fat Joe, what was, what was your opinion? And when did you first hear Fat Joe? Oh man, the first time I heard Fat Joe was in 1995 for the I Shot You remix by LL Cool J. Same here. As an LL fan, yeah, as an LL fan, you know, I'm listening to LL. So I heard the original I Shot You. Then he was doing the remix with Prodigy, with Foxy Brown and Keith Murray. And all of a sudden I see this dude come on in there. Yo, who the fuck you think you're talking to? And then I'm like, I just love the way he just jumped on the mic with so much aggression and so much passion. And a fun fact for y'all out there, LL Cool J is one of Fat Joe's personal heroes. And for that record in particular, he just happened to be in the studio that day. LL was in the studio with the Trackmasters. They did the, they did the beat. And Joe just went in there to meet his idol. And LL was like, yo, what's up, man? Yo, why don't you get on this record? You know, because... Prior to that, Fat Joe was at the Apollo for Amateur Night, winning. Like, he was winning weeks in a row. He was the Amateur Night champion, so, so, so he already so, had a name out there. So the Sandman wasn't dancing him off the stage? No, no. <laughs> if, if, the Sandman, if the Sandman tried to get Fat Joe off the stage, Fat Joe would have knocked him out straight away. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the first time I heard Joe, and then Jealous Once Envy came out, and I seen him in a video with KRS. KRS-One had him in the video as a cameo appearance because it's the Bronx, you know, KRS was showing love. So um, after that, you know, Jealous One's Envy. And then, of course, like um, like my man mentioned with Pun, seeing Pun and seeing Joe. And then, you know, Joe just kept dropping singles, just kept dropping jewels. And um, I, I I just became a fan. Joe was, Joe was one of the most consistent rappers out. So that's the first time I heard Fat Joe. T.O., what about you? wrong. Joe, oh, had ahead, a, Joe had a temper back then. Joe apparently had a temper back then where, like, you know, he was he was about that life. Like, you oh, know, he yeah. was taking total respect. He was, yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe's a hothead because, um, <laughs> and see, for me, like, it's, it's funny because I didn't get into Joe until, like, later on. I didn't even, like, I knew who Fat Joe was, obviously, but I'd never, like, listened to his music. But when he got in that beef with 50 Cent, since, since my man Johnny said he's a hothead, like the 50 cent beef was was the first time i really like paid attention to joe hardcore then of course i went okay. back in the catalog and and you know and then well I, before that lean back was the song that everybody heard like you couldn't go nowhere like no party no club no type of function without, Yo, without hearing but lean listen back. listen y'all sleeping because mac you could touch on this you and i used to recite the chorus 
for Don Cartagena. Don oh Cartagena is tight, bro. You, yo, yo, you know about that. Yo, T.O., you want to do the chorus for us real quick? <laughs> I remember the chorus. We call, uh, what was it, Chris? It's been a oh, while since I heard that man. song. And I know Puff did the see. song. When we run the streets, now you can't sleep. 10 oh, deep. Call rolling in the Benz Jeep. Benz deep. Going deep with the Don Cotta. I put the car in Adios to Miyana. to Miyana. Only Puff with that. Ladies that was and Joe, man. That that is the rap lab rendition of Don Cartagena. But to finish, but to finish your question out, it's the it's the same thing as uh, uh, QG said, cause that's the first time I heard Joe too on the um I shot you remix. But I never got a chance to listen to Jealous One's Envy that same year until like maybe when Don Cartagena came out. I never got a chance to listen to Jealous One's Envy. Like the first one I heard was Don Cartagena. I didn't even get to the flow, Joe, either. By the way. But um, that's a fact. That's a fact. I'm glad. I, I'm, you know what? You could touch on that for us. Talk about digging in the crates. A lot of people don't remember that Joe, Joe was down with DITC. Joe is Joe is a founding member of digging in the he crates. Was, he was partially the founding member of um digging in the crates. Now had a lot of people that some of y'all may be familiar with, whether if it's uptown or parts of the Bronx. One of them being the late, unfortunately, Big L. Actually, another one. He represents Brooklyn OC. Um, Don't forget Show and AG. Show and AG. Buckwild. Um, I think the Ghetto Dwellers was part of that too, which you, a lot you, of people you, for, on you you forgetting somebody too. Um, Diamond D, D, of course. Stan Spit. Stan Spit. What a cool so, man! It 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 was a lot of. I don't think Stan Spit was part of the group. Oh yeah, he was. He was. Now nah, he the, was. Uh, he was. Someone else is deceased. I think one of the people from the ghetto dwellers was uh, was deceased from last time I heard. I don't remember who, and it was like two people from that group. Yeah, but, Joe um, has the lineage, man. Joe has a history, and, and so Joe has a history of soul acts and groups. And of course, yeah. the next group he comes out with. Well, well, let's talk about this. Like jealous ones, jealous ones, envy, because when you look at Fat Joe, this is a, like a kid that coming from the Bronx, and you mentioned about. LL Cool J is part of the idol, but Joe would tell you not only he listened to LL, he also listened to a certain someone who helped elevate the Bronx in the words of uh, Karis One. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he also, I think there was a time where Joe said in an interview that Karis was his idol. But when yeah. his thing with the Fat Joe the Gangster um, era was not really working, he just wasn't feeling it. Karis sort of took him under his wing and said, yo, come with me on tour. You be like my hype man, but, you know, you could do whatever you want on there, too. So it sort of boosted the confidence of Fat Joe. And then next thing you you go to a second album, Jealous Ones Envy. The first song is Bronx Tale. Who is on it? Exactly. <laughs> I don't care. It's one. <laughs> but oh, yeah, Fat, Joe always, Fat Joe always kind of... Um, now, he always showed mad love to the Bronx and, like, you know, always had, like, the utmost respect for the people that came before him, you and, know. And, and, and that's exactly what he was showing. That's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, that, and that's not only, and I think that's not only a Fat Joe thing, but, like, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, Bronx and Harlem heads of that time period, you know, they, and even, even Queen, Queens to an extent, like, mm -hmm. everybody in that time period was showing, was showing love back to the, to the previous era, you know what I mean? Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally only have two Fat Joe albums in my collection. I don't have nothing Fat Joe past 1998. Which um, albums do you got? What's I got that? I got represent when he was Fat Joe the gangster, and I got Don Cartagena. Okay, okay. And my uh, my personal my personal collection of Joe don't go past ninety eight. But um, nah, but Fat Joe, and then even in the modern day, like all the way up is like is what's got him back into relevancy. You know what I mean? Like that song was that song. I think you could call that like his second lean back, don't you think? It's, it was it's, a banger. It's, yeah, it's a banger. It sort of had that type of feeling. I can understand. Yeah, no, yeah, it does play in the club a lot. Like, well, when it came out, it was on a lot. I remember that, that song is like what 2016? Like, time is flying by because that, that song is four years, I think it's either three or four years old. I but think it's, I think it's three or four years old. But I give Joe credit because in a time where, like, and I hate to, I hate to like show our age and whatnot, but like in a time where like rappers from like the past is the nicest way I could put it, but in a time where rappers from the past are forgotten. Or they come out with a record and people be like, oh, he played out. Like, pe- like the young kids was even fucking with Joe. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, you had, like, like the youngest, like, the youngins, the teenagers, even they was messing with Fat Joe. And they probably you never even why? heard a Fat, they probably never even you heard know, a Fat Joe record before then. You know why? Because I think, I think Joe has the, has the ability to keep up with the times. And he's very good at listening and understanding what's hot and what's going on currently. And he has the ability to adapt. That's why he's been so relevant till this day, that Joe. And I want to ask John a question. John, let me ask you this. Like, what do you think was Fat Joe's direction as far as competition? Because as underrated as he may, as he may seem, still to others, underrated, because I don't think Joe still gets the credit he deserves for his records. But you know, you got the Nas. You got the Biggie, you got the Jay Z's of the world, and everything like that. Like, what do you think kept Fat Joe going as far as yo? I gotta still do my thing. Competition is heavy. I'm not gonna quit. I'm still gonna be me, and people still gonna love me. Like, what do you think as a fan of Fat Joe? What do you think kept him going during that time when competition was so heavy? I think, um, I think what he got definitely was something he got from Pun because Fat Joe was really like. On that, on that gangster shit, like for real. But like, yeah. what Big Pun brought to the table was like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna satisfy the different listeners I have. So, like the people that are into like lyricism, I got them. I got some for the ladies. I got some for the mainstream. I got some about the streets, and that's kind of what Fat Joe must have taken away from him. Where like he's like, I know what's gonna bring me the most bread, and that's the mainstream hit. Fat Joe mm. was like, I could change my style up to make that bread, you know, to get those tips. And, um, you know, he just, he was just able to pick with like lean back and all the way up. Like he just has those beats in mind. He, he knows what's gonna, what's gonna get him that hit. But he can also, he can, he's just versatile. He can change things up if he has to or, or if he wants to, you know what I mean? Of course. But um, also, it's, he he learned early on that it doesn't just have to be hip hop that he can be successful in. Like, you know, he's got, you know, he's got restaurants in the Heights and everything. He's got other things going on. Like, I'm, I know he has like other investments and everything. So that's another thing too. He doesn't he doesn't burn himself out. You know, where like some people just make their money off of hip hop and everything. Uh, you know, he's been able to 
kind of get into different businesses and, and you know, become an entrepreneur, really, and then come back and still come out with a hit. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. Absolutely. I mean, that's, tough. that's a fact. It's tough. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because people get, could get tired of you. You know what I mean? Like, people could turn on you quick as much as, you know, love you just as fast, but they could just turn on you just as quick. Yeah, that's that's true because um, uh, in rap there's not a long shelf life, so you could be uh, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. Amen. And um, going back to what Al said about like how you know a lot of people don't don't really pay too much mind to the to the to the older artists. I think that's what's cool about another Latino artist, um, Nori, where Drink Champs is all about. Um, you know, bringing limelight to to the people of the older generations, you know, and like giving them the respect they deserve and everything. Uh, yeah, shout out, shout outs to Nori because um, I am Absolutely. a regular, I am a regular, not even just a listener, I am a regular viewer. Yes, people, I watch the videos of Drink Champs. I am a regular viewer of of that man's podcast. Uh, matter of fact, since you brought up Nori, we'll get to him in just one second. Um, yeah, QG. Since What's you are, I feel like you are the most knowledgeable on this subject, so I'm just going to pitch this to you. Because I did mention the 50 Cent beef, and you know we got to explain things on this podcast. So you want to tell the people why um, Fat Joe and 50 was uh, in that beef for a minute? Sure. Oh, oh, can, 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 can I say something? Sure. What you got to go to Ultra Clips, <laughs> nigga <laughs> off of New York. Oh, wait, didn't they? But they had, a, they had a Rockefeller beef, though, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, I, I could I could touch on both for y'all. T- touch, touch on, on them. Both. Speak all on right, them, my well, friend. Well, the Jay Z, well the Jay Z Rockefeller thing, it all basically has to do. Now there was an alleged situation involving Terror Squad and Rockefeller at a club, and Rockefeller was performing on stage. They were supposed to get off. It was time for Terror Squad to get on. The Rockefeller dudes didn't want to leave. So a couple of words were exchanged and allegedly a bottle was thrown and somebody from TS got hit in the head and there was a big fight that happened on stage. And then it was just an alleged rumor of people. Fat Joe hasn't spoken about it. Cuba Link hasn't spoken about it. None of that. None of that went down. But what really pushed the Rockefeller thing. Y'all remember when Fat Joe said on Lean Back, K keep telling me to speak about the Rucker. Matter of fact, I don't want to speak about the Rucker. As we know, Rucker Park is a legendary place where the basketball teams get together and there's sponsors that sponsor the team. Fat Joe has he a, had a terrorist squad team. team. I remember that. Oh, yeah, right. I remember that. Yes. Right. Wow, and and Fat, Joe, Fat, Fat Joe had it locked down. Like his team was one of the best teams there, if not the best team for that time. So Jay-Z comes in and he has a team now. And Joe was like, ah, why is he coming into my territory? Like, this is me. You know what I'm saying? I got this. So Fat Joe's team and Jay-Z's team are supposed to go head-to-head for the championship. It was a big promotional thing. It was super crowded. The Rucker was packed to capacity. Fat Joe and his team is ready to go. Jay-Z's team never shows up. So Fat Joe's team wins by forfeit. And it was just more bragging rights for Fat Joe. That's why Fat Joe said what he said on the line about the Rucker. And once Jay-Z heard that, 
that's when the subliminals come in, and we all know how Jay Z is with subliminals. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me point y'all to the Diamonds Off Forever remix. Guess oh, who ain't gonna, guess who ain't gonna crack? Pardon me, I had to laugh at that. That's a subliminal by Jay Z to Fat Joe. So there was just some words traded back and forth between the two parties or whatever, but it was nothing personal. And then eventually, Fat Joe and Jay-Z, they, you know, thanks to Nori, Nori was the one that was able to put them together. And that's how Jay-Z ended up on the All The Way Up remix. You know, they cool, everything was good. Um, the 50 Cent thing has to do with New York. The New York record by Ja Rule. As we know, Fat Joe was on that record. And Fat Joe didn't diss 50 Cent on the record. Fat Joe was bigging up New York. It just is that Ja Rule is 50 Cent's nemesis. And Ja Rule's verse is dissing 50 Cent and G-Unit. So I'm on fire. <laughs> right, right. Take off with silly chains, put back on your watch. That's what Ja Rule said in response to what 50 said, a watch was exchanged for your necklace. So the enemy of the enemy is my friend, or the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. You choose. So 50 was like, nah, y'all getting on that record with him? I got to get at y'all. Because he, he went after so Jada too. He went after Jadakiss. He went after Fat Joe. Fat Joe didn't back down. He released his retaliation record for Piggy Bank called My Fofo. And then it ended up on mixtapes. They were saying a lot of things to, to each other on the radio. And then eventually the beef was settled because the um, untimely passing of um, Chris Lighty, who was, you know, the, 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 yeah, he was the head of Violator Management. He was the one who was managing Fat Joe. He was managing 50 Cent, and he tried to get them together prior to that. They just didn't want to do it. But once Chris Lighty died, you know, they know this is what Chris Lighty wanted. He wanted them to get together. So eventually at the um, at the BET event, they, they were there at the rehearsal. Joe and 50 Cent, they spoke. It's peace. It's love. And um, everything's been good ever since. And... um. We didn't mention Nori twice now, so I guess it's only natural to segue into Nori. So Nori or right. Noriega or Melvin Flint, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> That's my boy Nori. Nori, uh, another another uh, of our favorite Latino rappers. Um, Nori also one half of CNN with uh, with Capone, so Capone and Noriega. That's what CNN stands for. They dropped the classic fire banger in '97. Uh, repping for Queens because you know Nori's from Left Rack. Shout out to Left Rack City. We fucked Shout with y'all. Shout out to Left Rack. Iraq, what up, Iraq? And uh, <laughs> and yeah, so they dropped the War Report in in '97, and um, a lot of people don't know this, but Nori actually had maybe not a significant record, but Nori participated in one of the songs in the East Coast West Coast beef. Um, he was on that track with um with Prodigy and Tragedy Gaddafi, L.A. L.A which was their response to the Dog Pound's New York, New York. And, uh, yeah, man, like, I, that's when I first heard of Nori um, off of L.A., L.A. And they even modeled the hook off of the Dog Pound song because, you know, New York, New York goes, New York, New York, big city of dreams. And they had L.A., L.A., big city of dreams. They had a hook. Um, but, but Nori wasn't a big player in the, um, in the East-West War. But um, I, I honestly think that record flew under the radar because it was never answered to. But um, yeah, so they do LALA, and then the following year Capone gets locked up. So Nori or Noriega at this point decides to cut his name in half, go by Nori, 
and released his solo album, N-O-R-E. And it's the anniversary. It's the anniversary of yes, that album, too, as we talk about it. Yes, yes. it is. Yes, it is. So um, we go around the room. Um, Johnny, again, because you, I guess you get to go first. Uh, your initial uh, thoughts and opinions on Nori and his music. Oh, Nori's fire. Like, the, the, I forget what the name of the song is, but on Nori, like, hold on. We got I'm trying to think of the first time I've heard Nori. I'm trying to think the first times I heard Nori, because, like, I don't think it was. Or even if you're just your general opinion of dude or any songs that you might like. Um, definitely banned from TV. Because, like, I know that's, like, one of his earliest, like, songs. Super Thug. Because, like, that was mm-hmm. just kind of, like, those songs that was on all the time. Um, nothing. Like, when he hooked up with Pharrell, he came out with some heat. And I, I think that's when I paid more attention to him. Ah, so you, you started paying attention to him more on his second album because on his second album, Melvin Flint, the Hustler, that's when it, it was in that era that everybody just seems like they was they was hooking up with the Neptunes and Pharrell. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the one that put them on the map. Ninety nine and two thousand. Yeah, because I was I was born in I was born in nineteen ninety. So like anything from like like around ninety nine two thousand was when I like really started getting into really things. started getting into it. Right. Yeah. And you know, back in the day, it's not like we got like you know. I got title. I don't know about y'all, but like you know, it's not like you could just go back and listen to everything. You would have to, you know, go and do some some digging at the record stores and everything. And, Absolutely. You know, either that, either in. that, or either that, or you're gonna have to like put on like MTV Two when you get home from school. <laughs> Watch the music videos on a loop. Word. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. His second album was definitely when it started. You know, in in my time to like really grow up and everything but when i when i went back to it like band from tv is just one of those classic beats that like, you might not even know it was that song but you definitely heard that beat you know just bumping somebody's car or, you know, on the block at some point you know what i mean absolutely and that's like one of, and we talked about we talked about band from tv um in a previous episode our posse cuts episode um, that's in the archives, people. For those of y'all who want to check it out, you know, link, like and subscribe, and maybe leave a review. I appreciate it. I love y'all. Hey, but um, hey, yo, Mac. Hey, hey, hey I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, yo, Mac. You still drink Hennessy straight with tomato? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> 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 Damn, oh, that's what he said on TV. <laughs> let me let me tell everybody listening. I never mix Hennessy with tomato juice. I can't even stand that line. Not damn straight, I understand the drinking. Uh, but, 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 to quote, but to quote Nori on that same song, yo, QG, you know, you a funny guy like Steve Harvey. <laughs> but, uh, word, word. but, uh, but Nori, that, that first album, um, oh it, it produced, it produced Super Thug, it produced, um, Band from TV. And, uh, funny, funny story, me, QG, and TO a couple years ago went to that Art of Rap, uh, tour when they came to Brooklyn. We got to see yes. my man Nori perform Super Thug Live. That shit was yes, that, that was sir. dope. Man. Yes, you did. Yes, sir. Damn, that was That's crazy. an adrenaline rush, right? Yo, Yo Johnny, you would you man. you would have messed with that concert, bro. They had uh they had Nori, they had EPMD, Raekwon, Ghostface Damn, Killer, Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy yep. Kane. Like it was just. Oh, that Kane. Oh no, Big, I was telling yeah. you, I was telling you now that I'm a huge Kane fan for real. Like yeah, yeah Kane was um, there. Rakim was there. It was great, man. EPMD. That's crazy. That's yeah. legendary. 
I think oh, that was like, e- like yeah, EPMD was there, which was a good thing because Al was a little upset because of that one. They didn't even do. They didn't even, they didn't even. do my favorite line from oh, that one. My favorite line, song. I cut the song off early, man. Oh like, man. But, this um, one line you wanted to hear, the quicker pick upper. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> I think that ass like bounty, the quicker pick upper. So yeah, Frank, you ain't nothing but a sucker. Come on, but, son. But uh, back to Nori, though. So, yeah, so after Melvin Flint, like, Nori signed. Now, here's the funny thing about Nori. And I think that, like, well, again, Nori is more known for podcasting now than he is. But you forgot, people. but you forgot one thing about Nori, bro. You forgot one thing, dog. What I forget. What 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 you ain't say it. <laughs> no, he said you talking about no. You got no no no. You got to say what what. You can't just say super thug. You got to say what 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 what. what, what. <laughs> yeah. Nah, but you know why I got respect for Nori because you know I'm a down I'm a down south expert in this rap shit. Oh boy. Yo, my man got on Project Pat song man on on Getty Green and he oh. uh, my man Nori came out there talking like he was like he was from out there man. He said. You my Wody, huh? Huh? I'm your Wody, huh? I'm like, oh, what you know about that in Queens, man? You know they have to talk to But I show love, man. But I haven't heard Project Pat in years, bro. That's crazy. If I show you my album collection, bro, you'd be very surprised at some of the stuff that I have, bro. Yeah, it's a museum there. But um, so so Nori later on, and this was a head scratcher, and he's one of two artists that did this that we're that we'll talk about today. Um, so around 2004, 2005-ish, uh, Jay-Z decided he was going to start up a reggaeton oh, division oh, of, oh, of Rockefeller. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Here we go. Here and we he, go. Yeah. He, he had a Spanish version of Rockefeller. And Nori <laughs> just decided, because reggaeton was, was, was coming up at the time, and you know, you had Don Omar and Daddy Yankee and, and Yeah, and I, was, I was super deep into that, not going to lie. Like, yeah. I and was, like it, it was the popular song because you had you had all these songs like Gasolina. Yo, oh, I, I'm sorry, yo, I, I'm sorry to cut, man. When I heard when I heard um Umi Kanto, I was like, why is he? I can understand Daddy Yankee and Jim Star and Big Mato and them, but well, Nori, I just no, Nori Nori that. wanted to do reggaeton because he said he was going back to his roots, but it didn't. That work. wasn't the Nori, yeah, that wasn't the Nori that I know, man. Yo, yeah. give me no, I wanted the Nori from Band from Teeth. Hell, give me Nori from Body in the Trunk. We can oh, speak about that. Body in the trunk with Nas. Forget it, yo. I got shout a body out. in the trunk, son. So shout what's it going to be? Shout out, shout out my boy G Stacks. He said he was in the box when, when the NORE album came out and they got him through it. So shout out to him for that. Absolutely. But yeah, like like the whole thing. And then he comes out with an album, and the album is half half rap, half reggaeton. And then the single, like, I don't know what was going on with that music video. He called Charlie Murphy. He got Charlie mm-hmm. Murphy on the video. Talk, and the name of the song is I'm a G. So if I'm you go on YouTube, yeah, if you go on YouTube and look it up, he's like, dun, 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 I'm a G. I'm no, a G. No, terrible, terrible. And they playing nah, basketball no, in the video, and Charlie Murphy doing the same thing from Chappelle's show, talking about uh, nah, uh how many nah, things does it take to the face? And I'm just like, yo, this is a nah, mess. Boricua, Boera, Dominicano. Uh, I mean. I get I mean, but it. you can't but you can't blame him though, because at least he's acknowledging his roots. You got some yeah, people that's in the world. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. No, yeah, that's at the fine. time. That's cool. You 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 know the thing about this out when it came to reggaeton, I mean, it was a I guess Nori wanted to touch back his roots. But looking at the reggaeton genre, the the real popular I'm I'm not I wasn't much into it, but I'm gonna say how it is. It was more like the kings of mostly Daddy Yankee and Donald Mark, which those two were going at it at it's one because- point. 
It's because of the history of Nori. If Nori yeah. came out as a reggaeton artist, that's different. But we saw Nori prior to that doing something that we loved him for. So it Grimey. just didn't, it just didn't fit. Oh, no. It didn't fit. It didn't fit with his hardcore fan base. That's and the this problem. was on Rock Live Familiar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the thing about like reggaeton back in the day. Like it would. We still didn't have too many like crossover hits like that, and that's kind of what Oi Me Came. But it did, it did, and it did. And he had a song with, yeah, like, and at that time it was, it, it was really easy to come out with like a Latin pop type of hit because that's what it ended up becoming. And um, he even had a song with with Don Omar that came out before that called Reggaeton Latino that was, I thought it was better than Noemi Console to be honest. Johnny, but, Johnny, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned. Wasn't there another song called Mas Maiz? And it was like mad people on that song. Yeah, no, yeah, I back in the day, everybody got Scott, everybody's song. D, um, I think Fat Joe was even on that song. Like, my, my ease, my, my ease. It was something like that. Oh, yeah. And it was like, it was a faster paced song. It was more like a merengue type thing. Yeah, damn. Oh. I'm surprised you remember that. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, Alfred. I could tell you're dancing, so stop dancing. Um, <laughs> yeah, please, please, please. Stop dancing. Stop dancing. Stop yeah, I know dancing. me too well. Yo, Johnny, yeah, let me ask yeah. you a question. Since since you you are you are a um a, a Latino, do you think that Nori? Because remember, he didn't start out as a reggaeton guy. He was a regular rapper. Do you think that what he said was true? Like he he went to do reggaeton because he was going back to his roots, or do you think that he did reggaeton because it was the popular wave and he was trying to cash in on it? What what's your opinion on that? It, it might have been a little bit of both. You know what I mean? Like, he probably saw some money there, which, you know, he wasn't wrong. There was money there. But, um, you know, like, being Latino, sometimes you want to, like, you know, you don't always want to, like, throw it in people's face like that. But, you know, sometimes you want to get back in touch with your roots and everything and, you know, and, like, kind of really, like, relate back to it. Because living here in, in, in the U.S., it's so hard to to lose sight of where your ancestors and everything came from. And at the time, like, uh, you know, it took a while for reggaeton to really like really blow up like it did back in that time. That's when it was just kind of bubbling up and everything. Not like how it is today. Um, you know, because reggaeton really started with El General back in like the early 90s, I think. And then in Puerto Rico, we were starting to take off around 95, 96. And you had like Playero and like Yankee and Ahmad and like, you know, you had a bunch of people just it off and it was more hip-hop back then it wasn't even really like reggaeton like people was just spitting um but yeah by the time like the early 2000s came around that's when it really like um you know people was really starting to blow up especially from puerto rico uh you know that was where like the majority of the reggaeton artists came from now they're kind of from like all over there's like a bunch from colombia and everything you you know what i felt about this whole thing like when we talk about reggaeton, I felt like with, to me, and and if you're a reggaeton fan, don't 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 like criticize or chastise me with this shit. But I felt like when he put Umikanto out, Daddy Yankee was already a known person. But I felt like after that, he got bigger. It helped Daddy yeah. Yankee. That's it a, helped that's Daddy an absolute Yankee. fact. But then, but it, then it, it gave it gave more like opportunities for more big uh, stardom. For like Daddy Yankee or Donamar or even Winston and Yandel and them, so it's 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 if you look at Umikanto, it sort of gave a bit of an opportunity, f- and and it was mainstream. It was a mainstream reggaeton hit. 
Yeah, it was definitely that crossover hit that that maybe reggaeton kind of needed at the time. And like the combination of Oimi and Console and Gasolinas would really would really elevated that Yankee. Oh, um, I got a big problem with Gasolina. What the hell was Little John doing? <laughs> oh man, little John, I don't know. And Pit was a Pit Bull on that too. He was nah. I, they definitely did a song together at some point. Okay. Little John and Pit Bull was. Oh man, what that? I don't know what the hell well, Little John was doing on that gasoline remix. Well, it's a good. It's funny you mentioned Little John and Pit Bull because um. Yeah, Pitbull, the next guy we're going to talk about. But right before we get to Pitbull, I just want to say shout-outs to you, Nori, you and DJFN. Y'all do great work on Drink Champs. I don't Absolutely. know if you'll ever hear this, but... Hey, um, hey Nori, just let me know. Uh, hey, hey, Nori, are, are, are they still calling you Stand Still? Because uh, you just stand still. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if there's ever a way that, uh, you know, we could have a Rap Lab Drink Champs collaboration one day, that'd be that'd be dope. But shout-outs to Drink Champs. Um. I wish Nori and, and DJFN all the success in the world. We love them. They're actually one of the inspirations for us doing what we do here. So, um, yeah, and that's what uh, Nori's known for now. Um, also, he's got, I he's know got, I would love to have a podcast like Drink Champs because they just got bottles around. They just got, like, they just smoking and <laughs> chilling. Yo, they get tore that's up, bro. <laughs> yo, they get tore up. He's like, yo, you're not leaving until we take this shot. I'm like, bro. Yo, that man, yo, I, by the end of every episode, he be you could tell her his face. Like he, he he had enough. And every time, every time he drinking, he said, Yo, I gotta get up, I gotta go pee pee. They be drinking, man. Drinking, so he gotta and, get and up there and, 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 and another thing, and another thing a lot of people don't know, Nori is one of the most humble rappers that we've ever seen. Like he's oh, really yeah. a person. Oh yeah, man. No question. Yeah. He Absolutely. is one of the nicest dudes in the world, man. So now Johnny brought up Pitbull, so we'll segue into Pitbull. Um, Pitbull, this is an interesting guy because a lot of people, like the casual fans and the Spanish side of his audience, may not know about his early days. In the early days, Pitbull was heavy in the in the in the South Florida rap scene out in Miami. That man was yep. working with Mr. Collar Park and Lil John, like super close. And don't forget the Yin Yang twins. <laughs> Yo, you gotta twins. go back. You got to go back a little bit. Do you guys know who he was with in 2001, who he was signed to? Wasn't it Slip and Slide? It was my main man, Luke. Luke. Oh, wow. Wow. He was on He was on Luke Records, man. He was down with Luther Campbell. So that's where from, that's where from he got From Two Live deal. Crew? That Luke? Yep. Yeah. That Luke. In 2001, Luke. he was signed to him. He was signed to him in 2001. Wow. That's a far cry from where he is today. So, like, Pitbull... See, Pitbull is very funny because if you look at his body of work and his dis- discography, one minute he's a hardcore gangster rapper, the next minute mm-hmm. he's into reggaeton, and then after that he's making pop music. He don't—he probably don't even consider himself a rapper no more. Yo, my man he's, wears suits everywhere he goes in the video. <laughs> <laughs> my he man, got the suits, he my, got the shades. <laughs> and uh, he be having the tightest slacks on, and he, yo, he be dancing in them tight ass pants, man. But you know, I hate to, I hate to say it, but he found his identity when he started going pop. Unfortunately, that's true. Johnny, you said you you met Pitbull. Nah, I, I didn't meet him, but I saw him live once, uh, like upstate, and like this dude, uh, was he that puts performance. I'm not gonna lie, he, tell us about. He will give yeah, you a tell show. Us about that. He is. Nah, um, it must have been 2000. 2011, I think. Yeah, about 2011, maybe 2012. And, like, 
I forgot what songs was out, but he was giving you a show. Like, he was dancing. He was going crazy. Like, he had choreographers and everything. Like, and I remember his early stuff. It was super, like, lyricist, like, lyrical type stuff and everything. Um, and then, like, his transition. I remember he had that song with, like, Lil John and, like, I forgot what reggae rhythm it was, but, like, um, you know, he started doing, like, that kind of music. And then he just went straight pop and wearing the suits and everything. But, like, I think you're right. I think he did find himself because, like, his he was entertaining as hell. I'm not gonna lie. Like, he was he was into it. I'll be really honest. I didn't really mess with Pitbull as a pop artist, but when you look at it, he found his identity, and you know, he was more comfortable in that way. Sometimes people change, in my opinion. So, bro, he was he was making hard. Yo, his first single was about ass. You realize that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, y'all remember Kulo? Kulo, that's his breakout record. That was in 2004. That was his breakout record. That was 04? Okay. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, that was 04. And, and if I'm not, wasn't he in, in um Game and Kanye West's Wouldn't Get Too Far video? <laughs> yep. And you and you remember Kulo even, and it's funny because Johnny just said that um they had like a dance hall type beat. He got sued by Mr. Vegas. Wow! Oh, oh you in trouble? Damn, you just over that. <laughs> you in trouble? Yeah, um, they said they said that he he sampled the song "Pull Up" um, without 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 paying them. Oh, wow, boy. that's not good. But um, but one yeah, of my he, favorites though. Go ahead. One of my favorites though. My one of my favorites though is the song "Shake." Yeah, shake, 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 oh, shake, yeah. shake, 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 shake. Marky, you all that all that crazy stuff. Man. That, he this one's a chill. He was actually on the anger management tour. He was rolling with 50 Cent. Wait, 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 wait. Al, did you say you like that song? No, I was about to say, I I, I, I like Toma back in the day. Oh, you like Toma? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you you was going to say uh, you like the song Shake with uh, Ying Ying Twins. Oh, no. And all all those songs produced by Lil Jon. So, like, early on... Pitbull is, is messing with Lil John Heavy. You hearing what? And yeah, in every Pitbull song, even if he ain't speaking English, I don't even think Lil John knew what he was screaming what he had to. <laughs> Do you guys nah, know? You heard that in every also, song back in the day. Dude, Lil John yeah, was everywhere back then. That's Lil true. John was every- Yo, but do you guys know he also created Bad Boy Latino? He did? Yeah, 2005. It was a it was a it was a sub label under Bad Boy Records. He, yep. he created one. He has offices in New York and Miami. Smart. Who did he ever, who did he ever sign to Bad Boy Latino? I mean, at the time, you know, um, <laughs> history, they signed they signed they signed Christian Danielle and and, and and you know and they came out with the album Money is Still a Major Issue. And again, it was also distributed by TVT Records at the time, so you know it was it was it was out it was out at the time. And, and Pitbull also dropped some albums on there, like the Boat Lift in '07. He dropped it on that label too. Okay, okay, but yeah, but Pitbull now is like, and and it's funny because it goes back to what Johnny was saying in that time period, like 2011. That's when he became known for like. You know, he started calling himself Mr. 305 worldwide and all this type of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, the if, you, if you really look at it based on the, you know, the pop era he did, he 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 certified himself with that. So, of course, he's going to be Mr. 305. I, think. I mean, guys, 
guys, he got the attention of J Lo once he started coming out with the J Lo records. It was a oh, rap. oh my, yeah, that that was a rap. <laughs> yeah, that, that man mm-hmm. has crossed over into mainstream. I think he's like one of the highest grossing uh, musicians of of any genre now in this current That's day. You you look, at the M, you look at did the you look at the wait did he have a record with Neil on yes on he, did. he did he yes. did he, <laughs> he did have a record with Neil bro I mean but here's the I, I'm glad you brought that up because that Lindsay Lohan sued Pitbull and Neil and Afrojack for referencing her name in that record I mean I I, I don't blame her no offense <laughs> because the line goes I've got it locked up like Lindsay Lohan Lohan didn't like that so she sued for that. The case was dismissed anyway. <laughs> First Amendment, Damn. baby. Talk about and freedom petty. of speech, baby. Freedom of speech, baby. <laughs> but 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 Pitbull, like, like that guy, like he's come a long way. Like, and you could tell. And uh, usually, when 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 time goes by and the older artist gets and more music they put out, you hear growth. But I think he just simply grew by transcending genres as well as he did. You know what I mean? He did. Yes, he, he was did. Rap yes, to he did. Tone to pop and like. God knows what, and Bro. and and and, uh, and also to point out, he's also a philanthropist. He's that done too. a lot for Florida. He's done a lot for Florida. Like yes. you know, he opened up charter school. He opened up charter schools. You know, free tuition and everything like that. He's given. He's given back. Also, um, he opened up uh, Little Havana. You know, yeah, it's where it's you know it's where it's where Pitbull grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's he's uh, Cuban. Right. Yes, he exactly. So. So, you know, nationwide, it's operated. They got a 96 graduation percent rate. Do y'all believe that? Oh, that, that's ooh. amazing. Shout out <laughs> to, to Pitbull for that. Um, Absolutely. And you know, and you know, when somebody's a well accepted public figure, when they, um, like, I don't know if y'all pay attention to sports much, but like NBA on TNT constantly plays Pitbull um, oh, during their right. commercials for them. Not even that. He's like not this year, but like a couple of years in the last couple of years, multiple times he's performed at halftime at All Star Game. Oh yeah, you book him for the halftime anytime. Like it's you know he's just yeah, man, he truly is Mr. Worldwide because he he spanned multiple genres and he was successful in uh in all three. Um, nah, like I said, like he gives you a performance. Like I like I was. I always thought he was—he was always too pop for me. Like, well, in the later years, he was too pop for me. But like, when I saw him live, I was like, "Yeah, he—he's got it. Like, he's—he's he's a performer. Like, I'm not gonna—I'm mm-hmm. not gonna take that away from him. You know what I mean?" Yeah, he's very good at performing. He's very good absolutely. At uh, speaking of um, good performances, um, I know you. Well, this will translate to this next gentleman we're gonna speak on. Um, he had a really great. Uh, rookie album, great debut album. Uh, Brooklyn's own AZ, who is uh, Dominican. My man, my AZ. Man. Yeah. And uh, me and Johnny oh, had a me and Johnny had a conversation about his first album um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, Do or Die, amazing. And a lot of people sleep on AZ. A lot of people will say, "Yeah, AZ, that's that's Nas's guy," or "Yeah, that's that guy from the firm." No, 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 no. Like, don't call him the guy from the firm. AZ can spit. He's got heat. You know what I hate hate about this when it comes to AZ? He is too underappreciated. And it really hurts me. And it really pisses me off. He's really too underappreciated, man. Come come on now. You you can't go wrong with that breakout verse from Life's a Bitch, man. 
Bro, his oh, oh, I, and, and like I said, like I said on on this podcast a couple of weeks back, um, it's in the archive. You can go ahead and uh, listen to 1994 because I speak on Illmatic. Um, he his guest verse is one of the reasons why life's life's a bitch is my favorite song off Illmatic. And then not to mention like Do or Die, bro, like Sugar Hill with Miss Jones, and then and then and then Ho Happy Jackie, like, <laughs> like man, like, um, rather unique. All them great records on there, man. Rather unique is under is underrated. That's um, your favorite. That's your favorite Mac because Pete Rock did it. Oh, here we go. Well, I, it, it was reason. a hot beat though. I ain't gonna lie, it was a hot beat. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you, the majority of the album, the beats are all fire. And like, you know what I like about AZ's first album, Illmatic? Like, it was less than it was like 12, 10 songs. Like they kept it short, simple. Everything was fire. Everything was solid. Um, you know, and sometimes I hate albums when there's 16, 18 songs because that's that's a little bit too much after a while. You know what I mean? Like it's you gotta like break that up. Or might as well make it a movie, <laughs> right? Quality. That, like it's what all is about the Martin Scorsese movie? Like right. But right. Um, the quality is good. Exactly, and that was the first time I ever heard Az was on on Life's a Bitch. Well, everybody and, heard that. Me too. Yep. Yeah. Same with me. Yep. Everybody could agree. <laughs> that was the first time they heard yeah. it. Yeah. And like, but, um, like and and he, and he comes with that classic New York sound. Sorry to cut you off, Johnny. Go ahead. No, no, don't even worry about it. The background, so ignore that. Uh oh, uh oh, they shooting. Oh, I made you look. <laughs> should I should should I should I roll? Should I try to speed away out the Popeyes drive through again? <laughs> <laughs> you might as well, man, because they shoot. Uh, that's a long story. But, uh, but yo, inside AG, joke, inside joke. When he came, when he came on there with that first verse, visualize the vision of life for actuality. Fuck, who's the baddest of prison status? We was like, oh my god. The we only, the this. only thing that made me roll my eyes at Az was he said, money orientated, but orientated is not a word. He was in the zone at the time. I, that's why I we gotta let it slide. We gotta let it slide one time. We, we give him a pass. You, you know, I feel but like, you know, you know what I felt like up? Az's verse on that. I felt like it was it was almost the same reaction when Nas came out of nowhere on Live at the Barbecue. Like, who the hell is this? Oh, Whoa. yeah. That is Live at the Barbecue? Fact. That's how true I felt fact. the verse. And you, you know something? Yeah, because you know j- just like, sorry to cut you off, QG, but no, go ahead, go ahead. it's funny you mention that because on, on, on the main source record, um, Live at the Barbecue, Nas was a virtual unknown on that song. Exactly. And yep. When Nas, I mean, when Nas was building up a buzz, but when Life's a Bitch came out, AZ was an unknown. He um, didn't have a record deal. Nope. Didn't have a record deal, nothing. And he's the and only feature on Nomadic. Nobody else is featured on that album but AZ. And that, yep. And that, that verse is what got him the record deal with EMI. And then he came out with Do or Die. And you know what? People talk about Do or Die a lot. But I'm telling everybody out there, don't sleep on Pieces of a Man or Asiatic Thank either. Thank you. Thank you. Those albums right there, yo. Pieces of a Man doesn't get enough credit it deserves. That came out in 1998. Nine Lives was cool. Asiatic was dope. Like I wasn't, you know what? I, 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 you know what? I, I don't want to be a jerk. I wasn't a fan of um AWOL for some reason. Oh, oh right, right, right. The A Wall in 2005. It, it was, it was a, it was a cool album, but now the yeah. format was a bit of a recovery in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AZ is one of those guys who's also cut from the Cool G rap cloth, his rap style, his technique. 
just the way that he's able to put his words together. Like, AZ is just one of those guys. When you get him on a song, you know he's going to deliver. AZ is just, you know, one of those rappers who you don't appreciate. And, it, and, and it's a Brooklyn thing because he, and he was in a Bet dead president Bed-Stuy, yo, my man is from Bed-Stuy. Yo, I thought he was from Queensbridge because he was rolling with Nas so much. But you're funny, but remember, and, he, and you saw him and Biggie in the Dead Presidents video. He's from Best Style, yo. He read Brooklyn to the fullest, man. East New yo, York. Yo, and he's got a he's got a good rap voice too. Like he has like yes. I don't know, like the way his voice just kind of goes with the beats. It's just it just works. Absolutely. And his Absolutely. flow his flow is on point too. Very on point. Back. Absolutely. Az is and on he kind point. of had, had zigzag zig. He kind of had a good. He has a good vocabulary, like Nas did too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's, ve- plays, he's ve- very lyrical. Plays. I mean, it's no mistake why he was picked for the firm when you know when Nas and Dr. Dre put that together. Yep. Yep. Shout out our law zigzag zig, man. Yep. <laughs> shout out. Shout outs to AZ. So we we're gonna move on to our next artist. Now the next artist we're gonna talk about. Not not a lot. Of, you gotta be like a real hip hop head to know who this guy is. But uh, we're going to talk about Kid Frost. Or Frost. Oh, my Ooh. God. No, no. This is a La Raza, dude. La Raza. La Raza. So, so, Kid Frost, based out of the West Coast, dude is from L.A., the only uh, Hispanic rapper ever signed to Easy es legendary Ruthless label. Um, he didn't stay hot for long. He's really only known for one song. And like Max said, this is for La Raza, which is actually a cold song. That song is hard. He's also the father of Scoop DeVille, the record producer. Yo, that threw me off when I Wait, found out. Wait, he's Scoop DeVille's pops? Yeah, that's Scoop no, he's Scoop DeVille's pops, bro. Yep. He's, yeah. I'm sorry, he's Scoop DeVille's he's pops. Father. Yes, he he's is. He's the father, yeah, yeah. That's his, that's his son. Scoop DeVille is his son. Yo, yo, don't know. And, and I'm not surprised. I, this is not to disrespect the Latino because his last name is Molina. But when you look those two side to side, you could tell the resemblance. <laughs> I, I would have had no. Uh, I would. I would. No, had what I'm no, saying is they. It, it, it's like he spit Scoop Deville out. Is what I'm saying. He spit that man out. He looks just like Kid Frost. I would have had like no idea, and I'm. I'm actually pulling up pictures of them side by side, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. All y'all out there, take a look at them. Nah, they really do look alike, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, but Kid Frost. I mean, he's come out with a a, a whole bunch of albums. They just never, they just never, never went anywhere, you know. I mean, Y'all his first out something ill. You Go ahead. Some ill out. I got something else that'll blow your mind. Guess who was his main rival coming up? Who? Colors, 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 colors. Oh. Ice. Who? Ice T was his Ice-T, rival yeah. when he was coming up at the time. You did hear me slip and say Ice, didn't you? <laughs> but, uh, you slipped on Ice, my brother. Damn. He- Right, Ice is his main rival. And he's still alive. That's that's impressive on its own, to be honest. Ain't that something? And you know what? What really got got me on Kid Frost? I don't know why, but Grand Theft Auto back in the day always yep. put those yep. old school <laughs> rap songs <laughs> like <laughs> like just even going back to Fat Joe. Like I really didn't start fucking with Fat Joe heavy till I played Grand Theft Auto Four. And they had that song uh, with him and Lil Wayne, the crack house. This is the crack house. Welcome to the crack house. And and <laughs> Joe killed that fucking song. So yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing Vice City. Not even yeah, no, not Vice City. I'm playing San Andreas. 
and I'm rolling around in the, in the whip with CJ. And all of a sudden, because, you know, I'm always going to the to the rap station every time I play GTA. Well, and, no. and they, they That's keep what I love about GTA. Oh, you yeah. They changed the, the station. That was lit. I always loved that. And, they, and, and the people who made Grand Theft Auto, they always cared about the music because you would flip to the to the radio and you'd be lit. Yo, you'd be driving away from the cops trying to get away, going through, go, go, going across the highway, through the bridge, running over a road stop. And shout out to Grove Street. Yeah, shout out to Grove Street. And 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 as you trying to escape the police with, with, with half your tire blown out. You just sitting there listening to Kid Frost <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> unfortunately, oh, unfor- but I find it funny because he was on Ruthless in '90, and yes, NWA was. was NWA was still a thing in '90, and DOC and 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 Above the Law collaborated with NWA, but Frost never touched a record with them. Nah, that's, that's crazy. He, yeah, he was. I mean, he, he was never blessed by. He was never blessed by Dre, which I find to be very DJ. odd. He was a DJ and he was also a breakdancer. You know what I mean? I, I, it, it's kind of crazy how he never actually did anything with them. Nah, I, I, I go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. Going back to the going back to the breakdancing thing, that's interesting because a lot of a lot of Latino Latinos, like the um, Rocksteady crew, was like mostly Latinos and everything. Yes, um, which is kind of like you know that just kind of goes to show, like since the early days. You know, Latinos kind of just went hand in hand with with the whole hip hop movement and everything. You know, not that I'm you know trying to take any limelight away, but you know, no, you're there. absolutely right. You're 100 percent correct because they was there. The Latinos was there. They was part of the break dancing. They was part of. They was out there with the African Americans. They're a huge, big part of the culture, and they deserve <laughs> all the respect because they was there from the beginning. You want to hear a fun yeah. fact about about Kid Frost though? What's up? His music video for La Raza was the first time that uh, Lowriders and Cars on Hydraulics appeared in any type of rap music video. Wow. So he, he started that. Nobody All was having... All y'all pay homage. All y'all pay homage out there to Kid Frost for that, man. Yep. No, before, before Frost did it, nobody was riding Lowriders in the video. Nobody had the car bouncing on Hydraulics. So, uh, Smokey Robinson, you owe that man Frost for your inspiration. Oh, no. We'll get to that uh, one day eventually. I think the first Lowriders I remember seeing was in Dre and Snoop's video. No, um, Dre, Dre and Snoop would come in 93. Frost was um in 90. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. when his first album came out. Yeah. Yeah, He that was um that video dropped in 90. So, that would have been three years before, uh, before, before yeah. Dre and Snoop. Um, but yeah, not really much we could talk on about Kid Frost, but we could talk about the uh, the band that uh, they that that if you ask if you ask the the lead man of that band, he'll tell you he was influenced by Frost. And I'm talking about Be Real and Cypress Hill. Here is something you can't understand. Talk Bro. to just kill a man. when you say Cypress Hill, the first thing I think of. Is insane in the membrane. <laughs> insane in the brain, bro. I never, bro. I never forget. This is a story. Matter of fact, I'll tell it. Yo, when I was a kid, you ever play hacky sack? Yeah. Yo, I was learning how to play hacky sack, and the kids that was playing hacky sack, every time I went around them, they would they would have insane in the membrane on repeat. 
And I'm like, yo, why y'all keep listening to the same song? It's like, yo, this is like the anthem for Hacky Sack. I'm like, what? what? That's, funny, that's, that's so weird, but nah, that's on. I, I like them saying the main brain, how it could just kill a man. Yo. Latin link, Thanks. Latin link, and you know what? Um, be real, we'll tell it. Latin lingo was inspired by La Raza. Yep. If you listen was. to both of those songs back to back, it's almost the same song. Funk oh yeah, all that ones is my favorite too. Yep, and Funk um, Field ones is my favorite. And Cypress Hill, what I like about Cypress Hill, they were really one of the first rappers to. Uh, well, Ice T had did it years prior, but they were one of the first ones to incorporate like metal and rock. With their rap, you know what I mean? Yes, indeed. And yes, um, indeed. And um, Cypress Hill, like uh, their self-titled album, Temples of Boom, like it's just a whole bunch of good shit, man. Yo, let me yeah. tell y'all, you know how much love they got out here in New York. I mean, enough that they were signed to Rough House, but how could I just kill a man? Was shot in New York. The video. You had Q-Tip in there. You had Ice Cube in there. The Juice movie we talked about, that song was playing in the background when Q was hunting yeah. Bishop. So Cypress Hill got so much love in New York because they was just so good and just so original and so different. Be Real, Send Dog, and DJ Muggs, they came out with a unique sound and a unique style that was just so rugged and raw for the early 90s. And, and you know what? And Go ahead, Johnny. I just like how they wasn't know about how much weed they smoked either. Like, <laughs> right? Yo, they it was you could clearly tell like it wasn't a it wasn't a secret for them. But um, I think the most remarkable thing about about Cypress Hill, especially in the uh, in the mid nineties, they went to war with Ice Cube and survived. Oh boy, of course. Because at the they time, like playing. at the time, Ice Cube was was very. In terms of battle, Ice Cube was very respected and even feared because um, we've all heard no Vaseline. We've all heard yeah. no Vaseline. So if you tried to beef with Cube, and it's funny because it's like at the same time that Common is beefing with Cube, Cypress Hill is also beefing with Cube. So Cube was trying to take on the whole world. He was trying to take on others in the West, in the Midwest. You know, you know I, I'm glad you brought that up because... Ice Cube was a big Cypress Hill fan. There's, yes. there's, there's video footage and interviews. You see Cube wearing a Cypress Hill t-shirt. Like, and Be Real said it in an interview with Vlad TV. The reason why a lot of people started to know a lot about us is because Cube would be out there promoting us. So he loved Cypress Hill. So the beef with Cube, it was personal because they was homeboys. They was friends. And, and not only that, the, the cause of the beef, because as yeah. as Be Real will tell it, um, they were in the studio and you know they want they were gonna get a song on the Friday soundtrack. So Cube obviously Cube is is had a hand had a I think he produced he was the executive producer of Friday if I'm if he I'm, was a, he he was the executive producer of the Friday soundtrack. Right. So he was he was the executive producer of Friday. So he was also in charge of curating the soundtrack. So he goes to the studio, and they play him the song that they want to give him. Fine, whatever. But they were also we're recording. Up, a, light it up, smoke it up. Yeah. Correct. And he, they were also recording a different song at the time that he walked in there, and he liked what he heard um, what, that they were recording rather than roll it up, light it up, smoke it up. 
he asked Be Real for that song, and and they told him, nah, that's for their album. They can't give him that. And then a legend has it that uh, Cube later on stole the hook. Uh... Uh, what I forget what the name of the song, the Ice Cube song was, but uh, um, it was it was Throw Your Neighborhood in the Air. And yeah, C- Cypress Hill had Throw Your Set in the Air, and right. allegedly Cube took the hook from Throw Your Set in the Air because Throw Your Neighborhood in the Air, the Friday soundtrack came out before Cypress Hill Temple of Boom album, so people heard Cube's song before they heard the Temple of Boom album come out with Throw Your Set in the Air. And you so know what that, and you know what that they means, because if people are here the Cypress Hill album after the Cube song, they be like, oh, they, they, these niggas is biting Cube. Exactly. So, so you know, so that sparked the beef. And you know, I, some people will tell you that Cypress Hill won. So other people will tell you that you know Ice Cube and Mac Ten jumped in on this beef too. A lot of people, it wasn't just Ice Cube. It was it was Mac Ten too. It could have been the whole West Side Connection, but WC, who was the third member of West Side Connection. He said he grew up with, and he knew uh, Be Real, Send Dog, and, and DJ Mug, so he didn't want no part of it. Um, and I know we went over this uh, way, way, way back when in episode four, in the beef episode, but just to rehash for our newer listeners who may not go back that far. Um, it's to the point, Send Dog hit up Mac 10 and was like, yo, I don't want no parts of this. Please leave me out of it. Like he was like begging for mercy, <laughs> back ten, <laughs> back ten still went at him. But um, but I but listen, be real, handle his own, especially and and I think this kind of woke people up to how how ruthless of a MC be real could be because the line he said when he got at Mac Ten pretty hard, open your frame, grab your gap, take your name and analyze it. My name should be Mac Eleven. I'm a higher caliber MC. There's no question. Battle over. <laughs> and then and then the worst part is like the beef was getting so out of hand like like the 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 cartel was about to get involved yeah the mexican mafia they jumped in they they was about to get involved and yo if if, if cool heads didn't prevail cube we may have never seen friday after next or next friday oh, man. we would have never got war and peace like but, but you know something but you know I, i'm glad you brought I, i'm glad you brought brought that up um Let's ask our guests, like, why do you feel Cypress Hill is so underrated? Because, you know, because when we talk about Latinos in hip-hop, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't they the first Latino group in hip-hop to go platinum? They are. They are. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's like, so, so, so with all them accolades, Johnny, let me ask you, like, why do you think they don't get mentioned along with the Fat Joes and the Big Puns and all these other people? I don't, I, it might just be because they didn't have hits later on. They had hits like early in the 90s, mid mm-hmm. 90s, and everything, but like, you know how fast hip hop moves, you know what I mean? Like, if you're right. not out there all the time, or if you're not legendary, like, you know, Pop or Biggie or anything like that, uh-huh. like, right. it's, it's really easy for people to forget about you. Um, and, yeah, nah, like, yeah. if you go to, if you go to Cali, like, Especially here in New York, that's the thing. Cypress Hill ain't from New York, um, but like if you're out in Cali, like my sister who's like ten years older than me, she definitely knows about Cypress Hill, because you know, um, you know she's and, from that era and everything, and you know, and you know what we've partaken, we've partaken the recreational activities that Cypress Hill does. So you know, for that demographic of people that do that, 
you know, of course, Cypress Hill is like legendary and everything. So, and, and you know, yeah. it's, and you know what's funny, Johnny, that you say that because when Cypress Hill was coming out with music in the early in the early nineties, um, like what you said was true because dudes in New York wasn't checking for dudes in California like that. Wolf. Which which even though Cypress Hill wasn't a part of the East West Coast War. Um, that was a that was the basis for why the West didn't mess with the East because you you listen to the radio in New York in in the summertime of '95 and I know QG and TO could attest to this. Um, you turn on that radio and you throw Hot 97 on, you wasn't gonna hear no Cypress Hill. You, you no. really wasn't. You so was so so what you said, Johnny, is absolutely a thousand percent accurate. Like they was only gonna get love where they was from. Nobody was really. Like, in order to be heard around the world, you had to have, like, a smash certified super hit. So, so, yeah, I mean, but, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I fucks with, with Cypress Hill Heavy. Um, and Muggs just, is a dope producer. Muggs is a yes. dope producer. And then they just received the Walk of Fame or the Hollywood Walk of Fame not too yeah, long ago. They did. They did, yep. I would say um, out of all the Cypress Hill albums I have, because I have their first five albums, uh, I fuck with Cypress Hill. Uh, the first three, matter of fact, Cypress Hill, Black Sunday, and Temples yeah. of Doom, man. Yeah, like, yeah those are my boom, three bitty, bye, bye. <laughs> boom, bitty, bye, bye. But, but shout outs to Cypress Hill and Be Real. Um, it takes a lot of balls to stand up to Ice Cube, so, I mean... I mean, shout comedy, out to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's Gosh, another thing too. Like, yeah. Real just has this dope rap voice. Like, it's it's very distinctive. Yo, very... love that voice, man. Yeah, and you know what's love funny? That. You mentioned his voice. Ice Cube went after him because of his voice. Talking about he sounded like he got baby nuts, and <laughs> and then I don't know how. And this is how much of a genius Be Real is. I don't know how he found a dude that raps and sounds just like Ice Cube. But he found some dude to feature on a song, and I don't think the dude has ever like been on a mainstream song since. He was on Ice Cube Killer, and he was dissing Ice Cube, so he made it sound like Ice Cube was dissing himself. That bastard. I mean, dog, the line he said: "The only mission you've done is go to church with your mama." How do you respond to that? <laughs> Yo, oh man, let's there not is forget, no response. And let's, and let's not forget that we saw a bit of a piece a bit on the Warren G record. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I'm glad y'all mentioned the rock thing because in 2016, the Prophets of Rage with Chuck D, they created that group together. Yes. A brand new group called Prophets of Rage. So, yo, Be Real, shout out to him for that, man. He, he's, he's one of those guys, man. He's still putting in work. And he has his, uh, what is that on YouTube? Dr. Green Thumb? Yep. <laughs> he got his own YouTube thing, Dr. Green Thumb, man. All the smokers come together and he, he interviews them. And um, transitioning now, we're going to bring it back to the East Coast. Um, another rapper we're going to touch on is uh, Joel Ortiz, who uh, Ooh, I, happen to, uh, I happen to be a, um, a fan of. Um, Joel Ortiz um, first came to attention. He was, uh, and again, we did talk about the source uh, in previous episodes. It's in the archives, 95 Source Awards. Make sure you go check that out. Podcast available on uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts. I got to plug that, you know. But um, cheap pop, cheap pop. pop. But uh, <laughs> jo- Joel Ortiz uh, first came uh, to attention mainstream uh, in the source. Um, he was in the un- he was one when the source first started doing unsigned hype. Uh, Joel Ortiz was one of the one of the first ones that they ever touched on. Um, and Joel Ortiz has bounced around. The guy's been on Aftermath. He's been on yeah. So So Deaf. But more so than anything he's ever ac- and see, this is probably why people don't talk about him in the same breath. 
when you talk about, you know, like like great rappers of today, he's more known for anything else to being in Slaughterhouse than than anything he ever did solo. Right. But that's even still a respect because Slaughterhouse is full of a bunch of lyrical dudes. I mean, he's out there holding his own with Crooked Eye, well now known as King Crooked, uh, Royce the Five Nine, and uh, and Joe Budden. Um, we'll go around the room. Uh, we'll start off with you, Johnny, since um, you know, you we got you on here as our guest this week. Um, you got any um opinions or or memories of of hearing Joel Ortiz's music? Nah, not really. Um, I kind of heard about him like later on, but um. Like, I know he's from Brooklyn and everything, but I never, like, got deep into it like that. Like, I never right. really, like, went down. Yeah. Yeah, because his, his, catalog, um, his catalog's not that huge, so I don't I don't blame you on that one. Right. Yeah, like, he's more recent, so it's, like, you know, I never really, um, you know, like, listened to him too much. But, like, I know he's, he's like, affiliated with, like, you know, a lot of big names and everything. Yeah, he's um he, he's 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 in Slaughterhouse, but the mo- the thing he's most noticeable for in in rap, and maybe you might be able to chime in on this. Um, back in 2011, when um when Rick Ross made the song Tupac back, now you know how like um every time somebody else comes out with a popular song, people want to take it and make their own versions of it or or unofficial remixes or whatever. So he's going rhymes on Tupac back, and he called it Big Pun back. And that yep. drew a lot of criticism. Um, uh, yeah, um, Big Pun son, uh, Chris Rios uh, had, had, had not some ni- some not so nice things to say about uh, Joel Ortiz for doing that. Um, even his widow, who only ever spoke out against Fat Joe previously, was speaking out against Joel Ortiz. And it a lot, a lot of, people- of it was a lot of people. Cuban Link was another one. Yep. Yeah, Cuban Link said something. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of crazy. And a lot of yeah. people don't realize, like, Big Pun Back wasn't saying that he's Big Pun. It was like a tribute song. Exactly. That was his idol. It, yeah, that's somebody that was a direct influence for him, and he wanted to represent and hold Pun down. That's why he came out with that song. But the funny the funny thing is, as far as I go, the first <laughs> y'all going to laugh at this. The first time I heard Joel Ortiz was on the NBA Live 2005, because I didn't know who the hell this guy was when he was talking about, yeah. you put Ortiz is in a building. He had a song called Mean Business. That's the <laughs> first time I heard him. I didn't even know this guy from a can of paint. First of all, I didn't even know this guy even grew like almost 10 minutes from me at the Cooper uh, Park houses. I'm pretty sure he's been in my area, but yes, uh, for people who know, uh, who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm near the Williamsburg. I'm in the Williamsburg section, but he's a little bit. My man, my, my man T.O. be hanging out in front of Woodhull Hospital, people. You can find him right there. <laughs> I, I, first, of all, first of all, yes, I do live a few blocks, and I can't stand it, especially the news that just happened recently, but pray for that uh, pray for that family. But back to Ortiz, that's the first time I heard him, but then as for all the full so, song. I mean, I, I, mean, the, I mean, so basically he was your neighbor then. He was your neighbor. He was there. You was there. You knew I, him from the block. Oh, I, I never yeah. met I I don't know I never met dude I wish I did but I never met dude he lived like ten minutes away from me. No, you met him. You, you met him. You just oh, don't remember. Lord. That's what happened. He was but out but, he was but out to be there. technically honest, another the 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 breakout. I'm not saying breakout, but the song the first time I heard him is when I accidentally discovered a song called 125 Part Four. Oh my God, what a That's damn song. song! Yo, lyrical, lyrical, lyrical. Let me tell y'all. 
for me, it goes back to York Corrections Facility. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, Johnny, Johnny, real, Johnny, real quick. Yeah. If you ever heard us talk about York Correctional Facility, that's the, the college we went to. We refuse yeah. to call that place York College. It's York Correctional right. Facility. York Corrections Facility. They, that, that school, they treat you like inmates. But go on. I got I to gotta shout out my boy Ralph, man. My boy Ralph put me on. Shout outs to the boss, Bodega. man. The Brick Bodega Chronicles. Oh, my God. What, Al, what a mixtape. He came to me with that, man. That's the first time I heard of Joel. And all I got to say is, yow. That's what that, that's 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 the tag that Joel would say on his record. Yow. So every time but, me and but, I was. But when you look yow. at Joel Ortiz, look at the people he had. I heard the Bodega, uh, Bodega Chronicles, but this man had Big Daddy Kane. He had Mano, Big Noy. He, that, you know what my favorite Yo. track of that song is? Modern Day Slavery with uh, uh, Immortal Technique? Oh, my God. Classic. Yo, you want to talk about lyrics? You want to talk about raw passion and raw lyricism? That album came out independent on Koch. The you Graveyard. Alfred, stop, stop, stop quoting 50 Cent, please. Thank you. I'm Yo, not quoting but, 50 Cent. Koch is the Graveyard. Like, what you want me no to say? Sign. 50, no, 50 no said that. Thank you very much. But, 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 but Mac. What about Night in My Peas, man, with Big Noid? Big Noid. <laughs> Yo, I got, I got one better. What about the 125 with uh, Razzcast? Razzcast, Razzcast, and Shot Stimuli and Graph. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my Yo, God. Yo, but for me, for me, Joel Ortiz is one of them underground guys who is full of technique, punchlines. Delivery, the way he comes in there. That's why he was in Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse is a group of raw spitters. You yeah, got Slaughterhouse. You got to. You got to be. Group. You got to be lyrical to be in Slaughterhouse. You got to be lyrical to be in that group. So what does that tell you about Joel? Joel is lyrical, and even with even when he was on um, E1 Entertainment, you know what I mean. He had the joint free agent. He had a house slippers. He mm-hmm. he he had all these great mixtapes, man. All these songs that he was doing. And he's just album, one yeah. of them raw rappers. Yeah, yo, he's the man, bro. I love Joel Ortiz. I gotta, I gotta say, it was the brick, it was the brick bodega chronicles that put me that on. that that mixtape did it for me, man. I did listen to him a little bit later on, like in 2016. He was in this group with um, it was him, bodega band, and um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, their name was No and um, they made like a like they kind of made like a lot of like big fun type of like fancy you know type crossover type hits and like that album was fire like I liked them as a group and that was the only time I really listened to Joel Ortiz where they took like a couple Henry Lavoe songs they changed up Henry uh, Lavoe is just having a single for like back in the day like the king of the and and real quick since you brought up since you brought up um. Since you brought up uh, Bodega Bams, I just want to give a shout out to Bodega Bams because for those of us who watch wrestling, if it wasn't for Bodega Bams, you know, if I wasn't proud, then I wouldn't be powerful. Shout out to Santana and Ortiz, man. In a circle, oh, yeah, man. shout out to them. In a circle. But, uh, yeah, Bodega Bams did that track. Um, QG, you had uh, mentioned Immortal Technique, so even though he wasn't on the format, let's talk about Immortal Technique real quick. Um, Immortal Technique, bro, is one of the most lyrical dudes, and you know I respect this guy because he doesn't care to be. He's he, he's to me he's like a Latino MF Doom. You know what I mean? He does not care to be mainstream. He's not trying to be mainstream, and he's in hip hop and he makes music 
because not for he's not trying to get rich. He just likes to likes to just make good music, lyrical music, and he likes to uh, spread a message and inform people. He, yes, yes, he's all about lyrics. He's very political. He speaks on issues that go on in the world. He's an activist. His lyrics focus on controversy and global politics. And he's a radical. He will he will say what he what he means on his records. And um and one thing about him too, like when we talk about Latinos and hip hop, you know, you mentioned the Puerto Ricans, you mentioned the Mexicans, you mentioned the Dominicans. My man is Peruvian. You see yep. what I'm saying? So this is this is something more that you can add into it. And he's very, very heavy on his roots. You know what I mean? Like his family came to Harlem. You know what I mean? So he has that in his blood. So for him, he already has that chip on his shoulder when he's coming in there. Like, look, look where I came from. Like when you look at his first album, it's called Revolutionary Volume One. That tells that you where his mind that's right. And for, for, for my people out there in the archives, are all of you guys fans of 106 and Park Freestyle Friday? I yep. definitely was. He, he was there. He was there, and he battled, but he lost to Poster Boy. I remember that battle. Yep. That was a big one. This was back in, like, 2001. And 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 you could touch on this, Al. He was in the source. He was unsigned. He was. You know what's funny? You mentioned um, BET Freestyle Friday. Do you remember who won BET Freestyle Friday and got the record la- record contract when it was all said and done? I think it was Jin. For it Rough was Rocks. Jin. So you mean to tell yeah. me that Jin, whose biggest song was "Y'all Gonna Learn Chinese," that man that man made it like he he outlasted Immortal Technique. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. You nah, really nah, didn't. Nah, you know what happened? Well, not outlast, nah, but nah, you know he had a major he had a major recording deal. He was even in the Rough Riders. Well, you gotta remember. You gotta remember. Well, you gotta remember. There was different champions. So at the time when Jin was doing it, you know what I mean. Immortal Technique wasn't there. So when you got Immortal Technique there, Poster Boy was the one that won that last battle. So you know you had different champions coming at different times. But yes, Jin did get the record contract for Rough Riders. He he lasted for that time. But um, you know, Immortal Technique was still underground. And he had hip hop quotables. Like he dropped his joints in 03, 04. You know, he was he was he was doing good. In fact, for, for all you UFC fans out there, Uh-oh. you know what I mean? He 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 did the entrance theme for Rashad Evans at UFC eighty eight. Yep. Yep. Shout out shout outs to, to tech for that. Yo, Johnny, um you was trying to say something. We didn't mean to cut you off, bro. It was just yeah, you're coming ahead, in a little low. Oh yeah, I was gonna say Matthew was on Freestyle Friday. I was doing that every Friday. Hell, Rel was on there too. Um, Poster Boy, damn, it's crazy. Yeah, I miss Korean Asian. Yo, um, uh, I know. Yo, Johnny, you gotta you gotta come a little bit closer to to whatever you're recording, in, bro, because you you sound far away. Oh yeah, my bad. But no, no yeah, you're good. Um, um, it's really dope because even with his record label, like he wanted, you know, he got like health insurance for for everybody he finds and everything. Like he really wants to take care of people. Um, a lot of his activism work, like I think he's, I think he built like an orphanage out in the Middle East somewhere. I forgot where. Um, yep, that's and, correct. Yeah, even with my uh, my fraternity, Phi Order Alpha, out in St. John's, that's our Alpha Gamma chapter. Like they even brought Mortal Technique 
Um, I think for like a talent show they did or something like that. I gotta. I mean, I would have to ask them about it, but I remember they brought it to the campus and and that was a, a really dope they did. Um, nah, that, nah, that 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 is dope. Yeah. So so you actually met him then? Nah, I didn't go that day because Queens is deep, you know. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I remember they it was promoting it heavy. They was like, "Yo, Myrtle Techniques is gonna be here." And I'm like, "Oh, but Queens is deep." But, and, you know. and Immortal Technique, a lot of people respect him because he's so anti-music industry, it's crazy. Like Absolutely. he he's had offers to sign a major labels and he's just told them, nah, because y'all not about to make all this money while I get the peanuts. So I I, I get I get that. And um uh to go on where you to, to back up on what you said, Johnny, his um his uh his orphanage is in Afghanistan, which is crazy to me. Because Afghanistan and the U.S. don't even have like a good relationship like that, so I mean that that's crazy. And um, Mortal Technique, he, he's a he, he's a very frequent participant uh, of doing like inspirational speeches at hospitals and prisons and stuff. So, um, Mortal Technique, uh, not only is his music dope, but um, yeah, he um he he's a he's a good human being overall. Um, moving along here, because you know this episode we don't want to get anybody long winded. Um, we really only got two more artists to go. A lot of people also may not be uh, familiar with this duo that we about to talk about next, but um, they're one of they're one of my favorites because you know anything that Master P dipped his hands oh, in. Oh Lord, no. uh, it's a is <laughs> it, a favorite of mine. Uh, and we briefly talked about them in our in our 1996 versus 98 episode. It's in the archives. Even you though that's the people you paid. <laughs> yes, I remember how many people I paid. I remember how many people's houses I bought, and how many people's cars I bought, and how many people's watches and chains and jewelry I bought. And Kane yep, and Abel just happened to be two of those people, man. Uh, Kane and Abel really didn't accomplish uh, too too much. Uh, they had well, one gold well, album because Kane killed Abel. That's why. Oh my God! Will you stop it? Cain <laughs> and Abel—they are originally from the Bronx. How they ended up in New Orleans, I have no clue. And that's a funny thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. They actually from the BX. Yeah, they from the Bronx, and um, they get to the New Orleans. They dropped their first album in '96, um, the Seven Sins, uh, which actually the artwork got banned. They had to redo the artwork and put it back out. And um, the song "Gangstified," um. Uh, Kane and Abel and Master P and, and Moby D on the hook and the beat. Um, that was their biggest hit. Um, and if I may sing the hook, you know, this is oh. for the real true gangsters. We gangstified. I don't but, know. Uh, Family Guy was on. Family Guy was on. <laughs> Yo, chill, 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 my guy. Chill, <laughs> I do not That's sound like old... Mr. Herbert from Family Guy. Yes, you right? do. Yes, I do you not. Do. That's the old dude Family Guy, bro. But um, but not. Boy, Albert, a little bit. Damn, Johnny, you supposed to have my back, bro. I but, told uh, you so. I told you so. But uh, but but Kane and Abel, um, yeah. So they dropped that album in '96. Gangstified was like a like a real southern regional hit. Um, you wouldn't hear it in New York, obviously, not in that point, because you know Biggie was still alive, and like New York still wasn't checking for artists outside of New York at the time, but. Down south and all the clubs, all the radios, everywhere you go, you was hearing, um, you was hearing gangstified and like I know Master P ain't ain't Latino, but his 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 most memorable line on that song, he goes, I'm he was like he that's when he started that whole ice cream man thing around that time, 
He was like, you could call me the Mr. Rogers of the neighborhood, which means that's 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 New Orleans slang for drug dealer. But, you know, um, yeah, that song hit. And then they came out with their only album that ever charted in 98, which is one of the uh, 24 albums that No Limit, to their credit, put out um, that went platinum or gold certified by the RIAA. Um, Am I My Brother's Keeper, which went gold. Um, no real big hit on there, but I mean, hey, man. Anytime, uh, anytime, uh, um, not even just a black man or, or Latino man, but anytime a man of uh, a man of of of, eth- of ethnicity like accomplishes uh, an achievement like going gold, I salute it. So, oh yeah, um, and, and let's not forget the collab. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and my my brother's keeper. You know, it came out in '98. It, it it was a success. It sold two hundred and fifty thousand in the first week. And, you know, I mean, that's big, especially for the money that No Limit, you know, you know, was making. And um, and Al, um, 99, you know, they also had Rise to Power. But this is when they left No Limit, correct? Yeah, they left. Yeah. But, but that also spawned a regional hit because they was t- they were Kane and Abel was actually the very first duo to ever say the phrase shake it like a dog in a song, which mm. later which later on would be popularized by <laughs> Lil John and the Yin Yang twins and the East Side Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they when they would say shake it like a dog, which then turned turned into sh- shake it like a salt shaker, but um, yeah, man, I mean that's they they left they they like all these all these little known guys they become pioneers to people who blew, who blew up, you know. But you know so, what else is, is also a part of that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, Johnny. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, so I never really heard of Kane Mabel until like y'all brought it up, but then like, um. When I was like, oh, here's the rundown, I was like, all right, so let me give them a listen. And by listening to them, I would have never guessed that they was Latino. Really? Because I heard you Shake It Like a Dog. I was like, I was like, where? <laughs> that song is fire, though. But I was like, yo, I would have never guessed that they was, they was Latino. I was like, yo, these dudes are Southern to the core, bro. Well, you, like, know, what's, you know what's funny that you mentioned that? Like, and I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and say that I've listened to them more than anybody else that's on this show right now. But um, like their first album, they're, they're using Spanish slang, like they're, they're using Spanish curse words. But then in the second album, like Johnny said, they like you would have thought that they were born and raised in New Orleans eat, and grew up eating gumbo. <laughs> and it's weird because those two guys are from the Bronx and the Bronx is like the birthplace of hip hop. So you would think here's two Spanish guys, you know, they they probably grew up on 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 the same music that KRS-One and you know, and 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 DJ Cool Herc did, and Scott LaRock, and all these other people from the Bronx that came before them. But here they are rhyming over these cookie cutter uh, beats by the pound beats like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, I'm and glad they, you brought that up. Yeah, go ahead. Do you know about the legal issue in 1999? Oh. Talk to me, cause I don't know. Cain and Abel. Due to my research, they was involved in a federal drug case. Oh yeah, they went to jail. That's right. Right, involving uh, a, a New Orleans drug uh, a New Orleans drug lord by the name of Richard Penna or Pina. You know about this out? Nah, I don't. Yeah, it was involved with a drug lord, and Cain and Abel allegedly distributed coke for Pina. And during the investigation, they were asked to testify against Master P. But they refused. P was never charged in the case. 
Mm. Uh, um, but 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 two years later, you know, Pina he pleaded guilty on his own, and Cain and Abel agreed to a plea bargain, and this allowed the brothers to plead guilty to drug possession with intent to um, distribute. And in the agreement, they served six months in prison, you know, the boot camp, and the rest was a 24-month sentence and in the halfway house. And then, you know, in 2001, the lawyers reached to an agreement with the prosecutors, and they admitted to committing a misprison of a felony by refusing to report to federal agents about the activities of the drug lord, Richard Penna. So I think the legal troubles also kind of stunted Cain and Abel because as good as they were and as 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 as, as, as the as they were growing, they ran into the snafu and it and it, and it kind of slowed down that growth. But um, that's and, what and happened it, to them around that time. Right. And it's and it's crazy because at that time, it's funny you mention that because at that time in New Orleans, the the DA and the prosecutor was going after all these New Orleans rappers hard, like they yeah. um. They got Mac. Mac is still in jail to this day. Not not no, this Mac, not. but no, he's not. No, he's not. He's I right just there. said not this Mac, but right. He's on the show. He's right there. Uh, Where'd you get out, bro? They they went after. In all seriousness, they went after C Murder. C Murder's got life. Um, they went after Soldier Slim and got him. He later got out and then died. Two got killed two years later. Um, they try. They like you said. They tried to go after Master P, which that's so crazy to me because. Like, I guess they, they couldn't see a successful black man where, from where they was from and not try to go after him. But they, they, they wasn't the first people to go after P legally because they thought he was up to something. Um, but, yeah, so, like, they was going after rappers. I mean, they went after BG. BG is still in is still in prison to this day. Free my man, BG. Um, but, yeah, so that wasn't the first time. And Cain and Abel, they, um, they, got, caught, they got caught up in it. But yeah, I didn't know about the whole. I knew they went. They went to to jail. I thought it was for selling drugs, but not not in the whole operation. But um, shout out to Cain and Abel, wherever they at. Um, there's a funny story. We almost ended up doing a song, uh, with Cain and Abel on it back in the day that we didn't even know was a song song. Yeah. But uh, we'll 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 get into that maybe one day in the far far future. But um, and last but not least, we cannot talk about Latino rappers. Without big pun, oh uh, my boy, Johnny. My Johnny, since you are our guest, and this whole episode was your brainchild, um, talk to us about big pun and how you feel about big pun and, and his music and his career. Um, big pun is is a complicated figure in the like in the way because he he had a lot of um like issues growing up and everything, but like his talent is just. Like you can't you can't argue it. Um like lyrically like I said before, um when we were talking about Fat Joe and everything, like he he was able to to satisfy different listeners with his music. You know, whether it was for the ladies, um, you know, the core like um lyrical fans and everything, uh like mainstream hits, um, mainstream hits with with some like Latino flavor and everything, or just like straight. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna be yeah. honest with you, man. A hundred percent, I could listen to any and any time, right. any day. We'll mute Alfred Stop right it. now. Stop we'll we'll mute Alfred Stop right it. now. So Johnny, keep going. Let's mute Alfred because we're yeah, not going. Johnny, yeah, Johnny, <laughs> bro, that, I like Tell that song, man. Come on. All right, go ahead, Johnny. I'm sorry to cut you off, bro. 
But um, no, yeah, the, that's the crazy thing about Pun is because he was taking way he was taken way too too soon. I think he was twenty nine, almost thirty or so, um, when he when he had died. Um, and, and it wasn't like being shot like you know like Biggie or Pac or Big L or anything yeah. like it was from health problems because he had a tough childhood. Yeah, um, yeah natural you know, causes. Yeah, yeah, he was twenty eight. Yeah, oh yeah, twenty eight, twenty eight. Um, but no, yeah, growing up like he grew up in the Bronx, like his mom was on drugs, his parents stood up, and um, you know his stepdad was kind of abusive and everything, and um. You know, so he went through a lot in his childhood, and 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 that's kind of how um, he ended up, you know, just gaining so much weight. You know, towards the end of his life, he was about seven hundred pounds or so. Um, but in that short time that he had, like he was able to impact everybody and bring, um, you know, his original group, which was a uh, Bullet Clip, I think. Yes, Bullet like Clip yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, full of clip. yeah, it was him, Cuban Links, Triple Safe, um, yeah. you know, and then he linked up with Fat Joe, and that's when he created Terror Squad and everything. And, and, he, and he brought you know, Cuban Links started... and Triple Safe with him to Terror Squad. I remember that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about Cuban Links, and actually, we could have talked about Beat Nuts, too. I mean, I know they're nah, different. We, we, got, we got time, bro. We got time, but definitely yeah. Terror Squad um, also. So it was it was Joe, Pun, um, Triple Safe. Cuban Link and Armageddon and like yo that original Terror and Prospect that original Terror Squad lineup was nasty bro and like I remember um first hearing um even just Capital Punishment Big Pun first album masterpiece yeah crazy I was listening to it today for this like you know the funny part is the first time I heard Pun was off off the books really that's that's the first time I heard him and then right after then, then right yeah. after, because that time I still didn't listen to Jealous One's Envy yet. So that's when, when I listened to Don Carter Gina album, I went back to Jealous One's Envy. You hear Pun is actually on the song. Didn't you have a song with Raekwon and Fat Joe Firewater or something like that? Firewater. Yes. It was Firewater, yeah. Firewater. But the first time I heard it was on big, uh, was on Off the Books because I was like, who the hell is this first guy? <laughs> Yo, let me tell y'all something. First time I heard him was Off the Books. And I was intrigued by the way he was rapping Word. and his flow, his lyricism, the way he would put all them words together. And this is a big dude. I seen Pun perform live at the Apollo Theater. The whole Terror Squad was there in its entirety. And this dude, I was I was just mesmerized by him because the same lyrics that you was hearing on the songs, this dude is doing it live and he's sitting down with the microphone and he's rapping hard and Christmas of that year, I got the Capital Punishment album. And let me tell you, I did not stop playing that album. I played it over and over and over and over. It was a great, it was one of the greatest albums till this day, one of my favorite albums ever. All the songs, all the lyrics, all the verses was perfect. The collaboration was perfect. The production was perfect. Pun mm-hmm. just came with something, and a, a quick story. He pays homage to the people that was his his influence. He's a big Cool G rap fan, a big Rock Kim fan, and all that. But Fat Joe introduces Big Pun to Cool G rap. Picture this: this dude Big Pun gets on one knee, 
grabs Cool G Rap's hand. He grabs he grabs G Rap's hand and kisses the ring of Cool G wow. Rap, showing ultimate respect and homage. And G Rap was just taken aback, like wow, like I I I did not expect anybody to do that. And Pun was just such a humble dude with with that man. And what more can be said? He's just he he was just incredible. He was the one. One of my favorite tracks off that album was Tres Leches with a Prodigy and Inspector Deck. Woo! Mm. What a track. Oh, you know, my God. The way, the way he basically starts off the album with Super Lyrical, I mean, I know it's like the second or third song, but like, yeah, man, with, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, with Black Thought. And, and you know what a lot of people talk about, too, John? Uh, everybody likes to bring up Deep Cover with that one particular part. Can you say that part? You know that part off the top? Oh, um, no, nah, I can't wait. What part is it? You know, and, you know, and Little um, Italy. I mean, Little Italy. Yeah. Yep. It's tough. Don't worry. Talking, I, I, don't worry. I still try to make that line up too. <laughs> everybody was like, how did he? Everybody was like, how did he do that? Exactly. Get in the middle. And that little interlude he had. And like, he had when he was like in the back. In the back with the Mac. Oh, back with the, the back in the back of the act. <laughs> yeah. Back in the back of the back of the act. Yeah, that skit was funny. And um, furthermore, on um, on Capital Punishment, like Glamour Life will always be my every that that's like a perfect record, man. And and that could, that's really it. like a every member of Terror Squad at the time was was on there. And like that just goes to show you the dexterity of Terror Squad because they had the Actually, lyrical. Actually, I don't remember. Well, Prospect was featured on his own, but he wasn't even on Glamour Life. Well, no, he wasn't on Glamour Life. He but, was on Capital uh, Punishment. Joe, Joe was on. Joe was on. Um, Joe was on that song. Prospect was on that song. Cuba no, Link and Triple Space. No, Ar- Armageddon was on the song. Armageddon. Was the only, Prospect was the only member not on Glamour Life. But right. He did have the 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 Capital Punishment one by himself right. with. But. But nah, but that but like even 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 um Terror Squad man like and then they added Tony Sunshine in the mix. He was like I always used to call Tony Sh- Sunshine the Spanish Nate dog because he was always he there was singing sing- the hooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was singing the hooks. That man especially, was a Latino Nate dog. He always singing especially the hook. especially on the on the on the um Yeah Baby album with the with the song a lot of people talk about. I mean Al, you want to get the title? Oh, you talking about a hundred percent? My man Tony uh, Sunshine went on there. I ain't he talking said, about that one. I ain't talking about. I'm talking about the, oh, oh, all right, oh. all right, all right, all right, all right. Mac, you know what I'm talking about? We still made it to the top. I'm not talking about that. And one. I'm talking about stop. the other one. I'm oh, talking oh. about the other one. <laughs> oh, you talking about my dick? <laughs> yes. Wait, what? That. Oh no. <laughs> did Tony Sunshine kill it, or did he not kill it? John, you remember that record? Of course, now yeah, Tony Sunshine, he yeah, he did the um the Puerto Rican national anthem in that song, and that was just you knew that was gonna be a hit without even you know which song I had to get you know what song I had to uh, bring up since you mentioned yeah baby only because of the ending. <laughs> oh, my turn. Oh, oh, oh. You know oh, I have yeah, to bring oh, up my oh, turn. Oh, okay. When when he had issues with Fifty Cent, he talked about Fifty Cent. <laughs> to that Fifty Cent rapper, very funny. Get your gut off, cause in real life, you don't know, blow your mouth. <laughs> oh, I thought she was oh, gonna wait. say, um, I'm oh, laughing at oh, wait, you now. Oh, wait, oh, wait, no, that's but the way it gets funny, cause Pub was like, he said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna make a track, I'll beat your motherfucking ass, featuring Tony Sunshine. <laughs> 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 
Yo, that, that made me laugh. That, that, that's pun for you. Pun, pun, pun <laughs> said in an interview, he's not going to go back and forth with you on a record. He's going to beat you up and then talk about how bad he beats you up. Pun had a <laughs> reputation. Did he say what? Pun used to walk around the Bronx with a, with a, with a, with a trench coat and a sawed-off shotgun? Isn't there a story that went around a couple years back where DJ Wu Kid said that uh that that uh Big Pun pulled pulled out a gun on him or something something like that? There's a story with that. Oh yeah, I heard about yeah. that. What's the I story mean, with I'm, Prodigy? When Prodigy? Oh man, <laughs> this is a funny story. This is a funny funny story. Basically, Prodigy yeah. and Pun was mad cool. Prodigy goes to the studio and he goes to see Pun, and Pun and Pun was like, "Yo, Prodigy, I gotta show you something." Pulls his gun out. And then all the other members in the room was pulling out their gun. He's like, yo, let me see your gun. Let me see your gun. Let me see your gun. He's like, yo, P, where your gun at, P? P was like, yo, man, I left my gun in the car. And Pum was like, aha, you see? I could have got you. Never, ever, ever leave your gun. Always carry it with you. Crazy. Pun, pun was no joke. Pun was, like, I pun was like, we could have got you right here. We could have robbed you. You couldn't do nothing. Always carry your gun on you. I think he got tight. I mean, I might be mixing up the stories, but I think he got tight at DJ Envy, too, for releasing the song that he wasn't supposed to, something like that. Mm-hmm. I might be mixing that up, though. Like, I would have to double check. Yeah, because I heard, I heard a story about Woo Kid. He said, you know, I forgot where I, I think I read it in Complex one of these days. I think we had talked about it back in the day, QG. About uh, I, I believe so. I believe I believe. Yeah, mean, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. He probably I mean, did. Wait, where's QG? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I mean, there was an incident with um with um who kid. He he did mention it in a in an interview, and nobody has really come out to deny it. I mean, who's gonna talk about it now? You know what I mean? But but pun pun had that reputation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's all over the internet. You can actually hear the go on YouTube. Uh, he got he was doing an interview for thisis50.com, and he yeah. talks about the story of Big Pun pulling out a Uzi on him. <laughs> Pun had them weapons, man. Uh, I mean, Pun is one of the greatest rappers out there, and he and he is the first Latin rapper to go platinum. Yes, he is. Yeah, that is true. That he did it before Joe did. Yep. Yo, I think darling, I think oh, album, okay. he might have gone double platinum. I think. Yeah, it did. He might have reached double platinum status, but I mean, as as much as work Joe put in, Bun was just that person because he was just the marketable lyrical assassin. And it's like, yo, this guy is dope, and people were really feeling him. No disrespect to Don Cartagena and even albums like NORE, even though he ain't part of Terror Squad, but as far as Latin rappers go, like Pun was just telling you guys, look, not only that I'm Latin, but I'm going to tell you I'm one of the greatest out here overall. And you guys mentioned earlier, you guys mentioned earlier with Band from TV, he killed that record. He Absolutely. Killed the John Blaze, he killed the John Blaze record. Like, you got him on features. He, he, he will body you on these records. Pun would come in with, with, the, with the best versions, man. But Pun will also get at... I heard Nas in the interview say, like, yo, Pun, I, when Pun was around, I had to set my game up. And that's Nas. Nas, no, had, to say Nas had to change his verse for John Blaze. Yep. He had a verse for John Blaze, and you heard what Pun said, and he was like, yo, I got to change my verse. This dude, Pun, came in here and just killed this joint. So, yeah. Pun made you step your game up. Yeah, man. And Pun, and, I mean, and like, go ahead, Johnny. 
Nah, and he was featured a lot that first, like, when he first started, like, popping off, like, before his first album. Like, people was featuring him a lot. Yeah, for real, man. And, like, like it's just, and, you know, it's sad because, like, similar to Biggie, and like you said, John, John, earlier, like, we didn't lose Big Pun to, like, some accident or gun violence, like, like the man just 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 his body just conked out at an early age. I know he had his, his, his struggles with his weight, but it all it always makes me think because he only had one album released in his lifetime. I mean, yeah, he had finished Yeah Baby before it came out, but it didn't get released till after he died. But it always makes you think like, yo, what would he have become? What would he have accomplished? Like, what heights would he have risen to? Would his legend be even bigger than what it or than what it was? Um had he like lived longer I hate to break the bad, bad news but if you were still here I think he would have outshined more than Joe by he probably, I mean I mean, he probably would have even though he always showed love to Joe like the deep cover and helping him with records like they was they they had that bond and that and that and that, and that chemistry and Joe was supportive. Anything Pun was doing, Joe was right there in the background. Joe, I, I don't think Joe mind. He didn't mind taking a back seat at the time. He didn't mind he taking knew, a back seat, but right, it was right. like the because he knew the, he had a star on on him. He knew he had he he knew he had somebody special. But it was like the limelight was going to be on Pun so much at that time because like if yeah, baby, what it came out it was a little bit more commercial. Fine, I understand. But, but um, what's his name? Pun was just so lyrical, and people were so drawn to one of the most like crazy lyrical type rappers. And this guy didn't play whether it was his own record or if it was a feature. That's yep, why. That's why. That's why, too. Um, that's why earlier when what's you up? mentioned super. That's why uh, Jay, when you mentioned earlier super lyrical, this guy is going toe to toe with another crazy rapper in Black Thought of the Roots, and it's like, yo, Pun is really that dude. Yeah. And he was charismatic, too. He, like, he he was having fun. Like, he was in the videos dancing and everything, like, in, like enjoying his life and all that. Like, like you said, people was just drawn to him. Yeah, man, and, like, he, he was a top-notch lyricist, and like I said, like, it's it's rough because, like, especially because he has such a small body of work. Like, if you try to rank him all time, he's not going to rank very high because you got guys like Tupac and even, like, newer guys like J. Cole, Kendrick, um, and even older artists like Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube. So much heat in their catalog. Like, the more and more they add on, like, the lower and lower it, it, puts, it puts pun down. You know what I mean? Because the guy really only ever had two albums and then, like, he had Endangered Species after and that's all the world will ever hear from him. So roughly, roughly, we only got maybe about a good 36 tracks of, of pun to go off of. Whereas these other artists got hundreds of songs. Short yeah, and more. apparently apparently he was able to pump out songs like Tupac. Like apparently he had that type, like, you know, it's obvious he had that type of skill. Yeah, just, that work ethic. Yeah. He could just go in there, write his raps, go in the booth, knock it out. That was and, and it, he he was he he just had that God given talent. And it, it's yeah, a real even at some point he started living at the studio. Like he had a bed there and everything. Like I mean, the main reason was because of his weight and everything. And there was a lot for him to move around. But you know, like imagine like we didn't have the health problems, but you know, kept that work ethic. 
you know, staying in the booth like that could have been crazy, but. And it's a it's a shame because after he died, Ter- the original incarnation of Terror Squad fell apart. Um, and Cuba Link was supposed to release twenty four K around then. Yeah, and that didn't. And if you if you have a physical copy of Yeah Baby in the booklet, it advertises twenty four K. Yeah, twenty four K. Yeah, he, he's nice. Cuba was nice. Cuban Link is up. nice, man. Um, His album was supposed to drop. He was going to be the next one to come out, but. Conflict, man. Beef, politics. Even, 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 um, even Pun's widow and his son said Fat Joe never really, you know, like they had a falling out with Fat Joe, and this is just all unfortunate. I mean, Terror Squad is still technically around today, but it's just it's Fat it's Joe. Not Remy Ma. It's not even Terror Squad. It's just Terror. That's it's it. It's not terror. even a Squad. Yeah. It's not it's even Fat a Squad. Joe, it's Remy Ma. Yeah. You, I mean, you, 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 you mean? I mean. It's 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 not like the original. Like the original was crazy, and Lord knows if Pun was still alive, and even Remy Ma got introduced, which could have been possibly then the specific first lady of Terror Squad. That would have been crazy. Yeah, you probably will see more of the original squad and Remy. Maybe Cool and Dre if they added. Khaled was there too at one point. Khaled he was, was actually there for a long, long time. He was there. Yeah, but uh. Um, but but once Pun died, Terror Squad was gone. Everybody was messed up. It, it the 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 ace was gone. That's yeah, what I call I love, the whole group. The ace, he was uh, gone. Uh, uh, let me ask you, John. Where do you rank Pun amongst the greats? You know they mentioned Big Pop, Nas, J, M, and those guys. Do you have a specific number where you would rank Pun in the top list of hip hop artists? Yeah, that's tough. That's that's real tough. Um. Because growing up, I was, I was, you know, I had Ready to Die on repeat and Nomadic on repeat. Right. I would have to say maybe number number three or four. Okay. I would have to think about it. But definitely just because, like, lyrically, like, even though, like, like mm-hmm. Al said, he doesn't have a big body of work. But, like, the songs that you do have, it's super clear to see how talented he was. Um, and it's crazy comparing him with Biggie. Like, they're big dudes, you know. Um, And just to, like, just do what they did, um, you know, at their size and everything, it's incredible. Like, it's incredible how, you know, they were able to go about it, you know. Um, Especially with Pun, because he had, like, problems breathing towards the end and everything. And it's it's funny you say that, because if you listen to Yeah Baby, on certain tracks, you can hear his breath, like, you can hear that struggle on some of the on some of his verses. Yeah, yeah, he was in a wheelchair too. He was he was heavy, man. Homeboy had to go to the fat farm. He lost a hundred pounds, but you know it was like excess water. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't to the root of the weight. And even though he tried, but it was just it was just too much. Yeah, man. And, and with that said, well, definitely, if we talking about ranking out of all of the. The rappers we had on this list, skill-wise, as far as skill, I'm putting pun number one, um, and that just brings us to the to the that just brings us to the end of our list. Um, Johnny, we want to thank you again, not only for the dope artwork that you provided to our podcast, but um, but you know, just yes. for taking the time out mm-hmm. for like oh, nearly two hours to just talk about rap with us, bro. Yeah, 
Yes, sir. Nah, I mean, thank y'all. I definitely appreciate y'all. Um, you know, everything y'all been doing and everything and for having me. I know y'all didn't have to, but um, nah, nah, I'm just real grateful that, that, you know, you guys were down to have me here today. And, you know, to talk about a, a topic that, you know, might not always come up and everything. And uh, like I said before, like, I don't want to take, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, Latinos are here and everything. But like, you know, like, you know, we've kind of been here since the beginning and everything. And, um, you know, I don't want to take nothing away from nobody, but, um, you know, we've got some great too and everything. And hey, man, this is, yeah, yo, not like great music is great music, no matter who it come from. But we can't shy away from the, the contributions that uh, rappers of Latino descent have have given hip hop. You know what I mean? So sure. most definitely. Um, before we get out of here, though, Johnny, um, um, just let the people know what services you provide and where they could um, where they could contact you and where they could uh, look you up at. So my what I mainly use is Instagram because social media is a lot sometimes, but mostly I'm on Instagram at Johnny M Photos. So Johnny, so J O H N N Y, and then M like I don't know, like money, and then photos. You know, just T H O T O S. Yep. Um, and uh, I've been I've been doing photography for like a long time now. I started when I was young, um, and I've when wrestling was around before COVID and all that, I was doing the BWF shows and I was doing shows here and there. Um, sometimes I do artwork when I got like the inspiration for it. But it, you know, if you if you hit me up about it, you know, we can definitely work something out. Um, I don't do anything crazy on Photoshop, but like you know, like little things like cover arts here and there, I can definitely right. handle. Um, but the projects I'm working on currently, I'm working on a couple of photo books. Um, they're called Zines, short for magazine. Okay. Uh, there's two of them I'm working on. One of them is about um, no more parties in LA. That's what I'm calling it. And uh, since I was born in LA, my mom still lives out there. So I spent like a couple weeks out there last year, and I shot like six rolls of film. So that's uh, I forget how many photos that is, but it's six rolls of film, which is quite a bit. And I'm turning that into a photo book. And then I'm working on another one called um, Missing the Street, Volume One. So that one, I'm I'm collaborating with five other photographers, and uh, you know it's called missing the streets because you know we can't do anything right now, but you know we all miss being announced and everything. So uh, it's gonna be like a party sort of fun orientated photo book. Um, it's gonna be con like I got some contributors on it and um. Yeah, those two I'm working on, and I'm going to have them in print soon, hopefully, you know, by the end of summer and everything. Uh, and also, I just do regular photography, like whether I just, I just did a maternity shoot for a friend. Um, you know, I do other, other things like that, you know, whether you just want like a profile pic or, you know, a headshot, so, like. So uh, like if somebody, if somebody wanted to book you for like a, like a, a photo shoot, you got, you could offer those services too. Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. Um, you know, even if it's just like a birthday party or anything, like you know, I have the equipment to kind of take care of anything. So. So yeah, yeah, heard that, listeners. Listen, yeah, heard that. So if you got a birthday party, a wedding, or some type of function, you need some artwork done, or you need photos taken, you you hit up you hit up my man Johnny. He gonna he gonna do right by you, and uh, yeah, he do some good work. I mean, I know y'all see the logo every time y'all click on it to listen to it, so. I mean, and I was impressed. I, I think I could speak for QG and TO. They was impressed when they seen the artwork. We had a hard Absolutely. time choosing. We had a hard time yes. choosing which, 
we had a hard time choosing between the two. Like it was a whole debate. So like we yes, nah, we, we did. Nah, so we greatly appreciate you for that. And if anybody needs any uh uh, any artwork done, whether it's a logo or, or you know, you got a photo shoot that you need, hit up my man Johnny. His, his um, I think ever since like the the artwork debuted, we've put his Instagram in the uh, in the episode description. So it's been there for a couple of weeks. It'll be there this week. So most definitely, um, hit up Johnny, check him out, and uh, he'll hook you up. Oh yeah, and, and thank you guys again for having me for you know letting me plug some things in and just talking. Talking hip hop with y'all and like you know seeing how you guys honestly I'm I'm super impressed with how how much insight y'all have and and all the information y'all just got and even with Al when it comes to Al knowing about like Master P and and No Limit Records like it's not something I ever like really guessed that he would know about but you know listen man um, I, I, like I told yeah. you man if we if we really have an at length conversation and I like show you uh, pictures and and of what I've been listening to because I just collect records, man, and yo, like if it's if it's hip hop, I'm most likely gonna take a listen to it as long as it's not trash. So, but yeah, man, thanks guys, definitely. Absolutely, so definitely. So, uh, until next week, um, this has been the Rap Lab Podcast. Uh, we want to thank Johnny for stopping by, and uh, yeah, we out. Yes, Thanks. sir. Yeah.